0: All right. Welcome, everybody. Episode 22 of Sports Cards Live. Can't even believe we're here. I say it every time, but it's true. We're at episode 22. Have a really good show tonight for you this evening. Uh, Steve Grad, lead authenticator at Beckett Authentication Services, and a man who is a veteran of over 100 episodes of Pawn Stars on the History Channel, will be joining us shortly. Just going to do a little bit of some some quick announcements here. So first of all, this past weekend was an amazing weekend at the Virtual Expo. Um, anybody out there who's watching right now, if we did any deals and I did final count, I did 35 deals in two full days sitting right here. It was a ton of fun. I want to thank everybody who came and hung out with me in my booth. I want to thank everybody who viewed and I want to thank everybody who I did the deals with. If you're one of those people that I did the deals with, I've started to get everything packaged up. I expect to get everything shipped out by Saturday. So don't worry, everything will be on the way. And if I owe you a tracking number, that will come too. I want to thank Amit Acharya, who joined me for the Virtual Expo Preview Show last Wednesday and then the Virtual Expo Recap Show Saturday night. We had a great time, first of all, kind of setting up the Expo on Wednesday and then kind of shutting her down Saturday night. The show was a ton of fun. We, had, we both had successful uh, shows and we can't wait for it to happen again. Want to let you guys know coming up on Saturday, my guest will be Paul Lesko. Paul is the preeminent uh, legal analyst for all the cases involving the hobby. So he will be joining us and we're going to get into some pretty interesting stuff then. And then on July the 1st, which is a week today, my guest is a gentleman by the name of Chris McGill. He is one of the founders of the House of Jordans podcast and YouTube channel and as well as the one of the co-founder. Of the recently released, as of yesterday, uh, Card Ladder. You'll wanna check that out. And you'll, so you wanna check out Card Ladder and you'll wanna check out the show with Chris next Saturday, or sorry, next Wednesday. All right, let's bring out tonight's guest. His name is Steve Grad. Steve, welcome to episode 22 of Sports Card Live. It's great to have you. How are you doing this evening, my man?
1: Doing good. Great to be here.
0: Thanks, thank you. Thanks for joining, Steve. So. Listen, before we get into the good stuff here and kick it off, let's just talk about it. So I, I've known you for a while. You, I didn't cold call you to come on the show. I just texted you up, said, hey, bro, you want to come on my show? And you were like, anything for you, bro, anything for you. So thanks for being here. We had to reschedule. You actually had to go take care of some business in Arizona when you were supposed to be on the show last week. So thank you for making it a priority to come back on. Greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. So, yeah man so you and I we go back we go back uh, about 10 years I'd say um, we first sort of met at the Nationals you uh, you had a your uh, your buddies with my brother down there and some of right. his fellas so I met you that way um, we you've come up to the expo we've hung out at the expo you you're the third guest I've had on the show who was in that now infamous poker game back in 2012 in Chicago, BG, Brian Gray of Leaf was in that Jeff Wolf, right. who was from iconic, who was my guest a couple of weeks ago, was there. And we've spent a lot of your birthdays together. Man, I'm not gonna ask you how how old you are, but I'm gonna I'm gonna show yeah, no, them it's the- okay. You should know. I should you know. I should know. Yeah, should but know. let's just show some of the guests. I've got some pictures in my phone going back as far as 2012. So let's just okay. bring these pictures up. All right. We'll start right here. So if you guys are if you can see this, everybody, this is this is at Tavern, what's it called? Tavern on the Green? Ta- Tavern on Rush. It's on
1: uh, Rush Street in Chicago. It's kind of like on a Russian division almost. It's a, it's a great little area. And it, it's, you know, a lot of outdoor seating. And uh, they open the windows upstairs. We always sit upstairs when we go there. It's a great place.
0: Yeah, I, I love it there. We've had some great meals there over the years. Oh, yeah. This was one of the first times we were there together. And, you know, I, I knew you before that, but it wasn't until after that you started on Pawn Stars. And I've been a fan of Pawn Stars since the since inception. So when I learned that you were joining the show, I, I thought, how cool is that? A guy I know is going to be on the show. So here we are sitting in tavern. This is this is a tavern. And we're actually that's my phone on the table with you on it. We're watching you on Pawn Stars, which I thought yeah. was kind of funny back horrible. in the day there
1: okay you're horrible okay yeah <laughs> so this, is, 2000, yeah, this is 2013 terrible. Steve yeah I know you, you don't have to remind me this is my favorite one this was in uh just Cleveland this is yes. Cleveland yeah it is yeah and that yeah. that is a great steakhouse I just can't remember the name of it um it's one of the better steakhouses I've been to in the country
0: yeah it could have been Gibson's or something like that this is 2014 yeah. we're, oh, we're, we're celebrating your birthday says, in
1: thanks what does it say
0: it says "Happy Birthday" and I, <laughs> I I I censored the word underneath <laughs> to protect you. If you want to say it, go ahead. I'm not gonna. No, it's a kid show, and we can't do. Yeah, that. it's a kid okay. show. Yeah. So okay. this okay. is 2014, your birthday. <laughs> this is 2017, uh, yeah. also in Chicago. There we are at Tavern again. There's a, a bunch of your crew is there. Uh, there's Brian okay. from from Beckett Authentication Services, Jeff from Iconic, uh, mm-hmm. among some other people there. Very very good group. Oh, and yeah. here we are last year, also at Tavern, celebrating your birthday with Jeff, his wife, and uh, your other buddy there. So good Charlie. time. Yeah, that was a great yeah. time, actually.
1: And it was just last year was a little smaller. Don't you have a picture of the uh, the birthday cake
0: from last year? I, I didn't include it, Steve, mm-hmm. because it's uh, I would have had to spend <laughs> for it again. So yeah, okay. I, I didn't want to do that to you. I, was that your idea? It probably was. I don't remember the details of the evening at this point. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's
1: a tradition that'll be sorely missed. Obviously the national wasn't in Chicago, you know, supposed to be this year. So we'll have to make up for it at some point. I'll be 50 this summer though. So you're going to miss out on that one. And I'm a little yeah. bummed out about it.
0: Yeah, man. I would have loved to celebrate 50 with you, but uh, Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll get a few more in before the, the days are done. That's for sure.
1: 100%. Absolutely. All right.
0: Okay, man. So listen, Let's let's dive in now. Let's talk about uh, your history. So you're obviously you're the lead authenticator at Beckett Autograph Services right now. You know if I'm if I'm uh, someone who submits autographs to Beckett, I want to know the lead authenticator. What makes you the lead authenticator? Kind of what what is it that in your history prepped you to become the per the, for the role that you currently have? I, well, I think you know when I started uh, at PSA
1: it was 2002, and um, there was a need for another authenticator. Jim Spence worked alone there. Um originally PSA started off as this four or five-man team where they would vote on stuff. And eventually Spence said, I could just run this thing better in Pennsylvania. So he moved it there. I ended up getting contacted separately by Collector's Universe to run their Quick Opinion, which is a online opinion service, which by the way, Beckett has one, we talk about that later. But at any rate, they ended up hiring me. I worked with Jim for, for several years and kind of my career was started off on that. And you just kind of start up the ladder. And you know, I'd already seen so many autographs, Jeremy, and through the years and, and being a chaser and growing up in autographs and collecting it and going to card shows since I was you know, nine, 10 years old. So I'd gotten used to being around autographs, players, getting autographs, being at the ballparks, you you know, and I, I at that time, I still was an advanced collector, too. You know, I was uh, doing hotels and airports and all that type of stuff back then as a chaser. So I kind of had that, you know, history going in. And, you know, the more you rise up the ranks, you know, when when I get to Beckett here um, in 2016, you know, I share that with Brian, too, because, you know, Brian Sobrero, who um, left PSA with me back in 2016, the both of us left together. Um, you know, we both undertook this thing together and, you know, I, I felt like he has risen up through the ranks, just like I have. And we both do this job and it's, I'll tell you what it people say all the time, God, I would love your job. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you could take the travel and if you could take the hassling and you could take people trashing you and the death threats and all that stuff and, and nonstop working, you know, where I'll work some nights till three, four in the morning or stay up uh, 15 hours a day doing this job. Um, Some people might be like, well, maybe I don't want it because, and it's all that stuff coupled together. What I've learned to do is mature with the job as years going on. And I I mean, maybe I do act immature around my friends, but um, quite honestly, I've learned to mature a little bit with the job and uh, you learn to the people that bash you and trash you for years. And it's been happening for years and years and years. I don't even pay any attention to them, man. I just, I just go like that. They're all useless to me that you go ahead, trash me all you want. The only thing I ask you, if you trash me, if you want to feel free to just make sure you get it right. Okay, yeah. so if you want to get the facts right, you know, um, make sure it's correct, and that's what I've called out people on that many times in the past. You want to trash me? Go ahead. That's your right to do that. But at least make sure you have the facts right, and I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Hey, that, that same sounds very fair to me. Yeah. So, are you, uh, are you, are you a card collector? Were you ever a card collector? Because you're with with Beckett Authentication Services. You're obviously in the autograph authentication business. You don't grade cards. You don't work for BGS Beckett Grading Services. No. You work for BAS. Are you a card collector? Were you a card collector? Yeah, I was
1: for years. Uh, It's how we really started off. Uh, Football cards, Star Wars cards, baseball cards, basketball cards. So I started off with all that stuff. You know, I remember opening up the 86 flare boxes, and I remember doing all that. And I remember asking Jordan to sign that card, you know. So I remember all those years of collecting. I remember, um, you know, there was a show, Jeremy. I don't know if you guys had it in Canada, but I think it was uh, Dick Cavett had done a show on HBO. And it was kind of like a our show or special and it was early days of hbo probably back in like 80 81 but one of them they featured baseball card collecting and they had uh the beckett uh the the two guys did it beckett and smalling price guide and i i was like whoa you know i'd already gone to some shows i started seeing that stuff started going crazy for it and that whole craze started started with me started, started collecting cards getting packs i mean i was all for it and you know i was a card dealer too um back in the 80s and then i segued in the autographs full-time so um i did collect cards for a long time i mean my favorite card i had i had a 57 mantle that was really nice it was given as a gift to me by one of my dad's friends just pulled up a bunch of his old, you know that was the thing you wanted to find like a, a shoebox at a flea market we always thought we would do that and we never did my um, brother and i <laughs> it was very disappointing both of us really wanted to find that shoebox
0: we never for did. sure you hear yeah. about all these finds nowadays—the oh, yeah. garage finds, the attic yeah. finds—and and uh, hey, we all want to find one of those. That's for sure. That's for Absolutely, sure. Absolutely, yeah. So you're also, you know, besides being an autograph expert, a, a former card collector, you're also pretty well known for being one of the world's preeminent Star Wars collectors. <laughs> what you know, talk about that a lot. I know you've you've got some fans watch fans. You've got some people watching fans of the yeah. show being sure. pawn stars. Why don't you speak a little bit about your your Star Wars collecting kind of? where you started and where you're at now
1: actually you know what i started off a lot different than most star wars autograph collectors first of all i loved it and i never um started doing star wars autographs up until about 92 harrison ford was in chicago where i lived and he was filming this movie called the fugitive which i'm sure you've heard of many people have seen it well he he basically set up camp in chicago for like you know four or five months filming maybe six months it was a long stay where they filmed most the fugitive in chicago Ford was based there. He'd leave for the holidays, come back. But we knew his routine. We knew where he was staying. We knew pretty much his whole routine. And um, Harrison Ford is the first Star Wars autograph that I got other than Kermit. Okay, so Kermit Eller would would go around and play Darth Vader at Sears and J.C. JCPenney and do appearances. That doesn't really count, but Harrison Ford was the first cast member I got. And uh, that started the whole craze ever since then. Dude, I've traveled to Europe uh, eight, nine times to go do autographs for Star Wars. I've traveled to New Zealand, I've traveled to Australia, I've traveled to Canada, I've traveled to all over America. I've done signings with behind the scenes people, main people, I've been to people's homes homes. I've been all over. I've done signings in cars, you know, on trunks, you name it. I've done it with Star Wars and I've been obsessed with it for years. I feel I've kind of hit the pinnacle of it. There's not much more left for me to do. I don't really do the new stuff anymore. I kind of tone back on that though. The Mandalorian is something I'm very interested in, but I I just kind of like scale back a little bit. I mean, the stuff is so immense and it's so crazy. And after all this, you know, I sit back and kind of wipe my brow and be like, wow, I did all that. And I, I want to write a book about it someday because I think some of the stuff is neat. And I think star Wars fans and autograph collectors would appreciate it, you know, kind of like one man's journey to put this collection together. So I think someday I'm going to do something like that. And everybody always says they're going to do a book. I've co-authored a few, but I want to do my own on star Wars. And, and it's, it's just not that, you know, I collect Indiana Jones and blues brothers and I still like collecting autographs. It's, it's fun. It becomes an obsession. You know how it is being a collector. You become oh, yeah. obsessed with something.
0: For sure. For it gets sure. a little so, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So a few, I don't know when the episode was on Pawn Stars, but there's one re- a recent episode I saw where you actually come in as someone trying to sell something to the shop to Rick. And it's your collection of autographed, uh, Star Wars cards. I have to ask. And this question just popped in my mind. Were yeah. you, was that ever going to get sold? Uh,
1: quite honestly, if he had made the right offer on both pieces, he was really close. I would have sold both. and, and as it was, I had some really good offers that day on stuff from him. It was legit, too. This wasn't, you know, anything that was set up. They asked me to bring in some Star Wars stuff. They said, maybe we'll do something fun because we did um, a Boba Fett prototype uh, uh, figure. And the guy brought it in. We did that. And they had said, hey, we're going to do Star Wars stuff. Bring in some cool stuff. So I remember driving it out to Vegas, and we did some cool Star Wars stuff. And was I prepared to sell? Absolutely. I, I If you remember, I had a huge Death Star piece on there, too. I sold yeah. that, um, I want to say, about two years ago um, to fanatics who needed a a star Wars catchy piece around the release of solo, the, the, um, the star Wars movie. And so I said, okay, so I sold it to him. I said, you're going to pay a lot you're going to overpay for it, but uh, it's a great piece. So I did end up selling that for pretty good money. I was very happy with it. I didn't really want to get rid of it, but you know, I was like, I can't really turn that down. I'll never get that kind of money again. The stuff that Rick was really interested in, he was legit interested in because he understands the value of that stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because you say he understands the value of the stuff. But when people bring Star Wars stuff on, he always calls you to come to the shop to to give your opinion on, number one, the authenticity and also the value. But, you know, but I, I hear what you're saying. He, he he understands there is value in these items. I'll tell you
1: this much. And you, you mentioned that just right there. We um, it aired in December. We filmed in October. We filmed in England. And this is the coolest stuff I've ever done in my life. You know, uh, original cast Star Wars poster with just a credited cast. We saw Luke uh, Skywalker, um, his lightsaber, um, the metal, or not the, me- the metal, the medal that Han Solo was given at the end of Star Wars. Um, Carrie Fisher's necklace from Star Wars. And we saw that stuff in one day and then we filmed again and we did Han Solo's blaster. I mean, this is actually was one of his blasters used by the place that made it, by the guy that made it. He was there with them. It, Rick was really into it. He just wasn't into the million dollar price tag. So, right. Uh, yeah. He had yeah. to back off of that a little bit.
0: Sure. I remember the episode. It was a it was a great episode, Matt. Okay. So listen, before we move on, I, w- I want to start talking about a bit about a bit more about your career trajectory. You mentioned, you know, you started off chasing autographs like lots of kids and teenagers do, sure. sporting events, hotels, red carpets for entertainment, all that kind of stuff. Before we get to that, we're gonna go to some of the comments that have come in, run through, see who's all in the house. When I when I posted the that we were going that you were the guest. Uh, Josh said that's a big guest. Well, he's not that big. He's a lot smaller than he used to be, but he's still a big <laughs> guest. I agree. I agree. Thanks, Zach Josh. was looking forward to it. Jeff, oh, welcome. Man. Hello, Josh in the house. Welcome, Josh. Hey, Ronnie, how's it going, buddy? Joel Alpert's in there, ah, my favorite grad uh, cap there. One wow. one of your buddies, for sure. Yes, Scott, good evening, Scott. <laughs> yep. You know what? Steve's done this before. That's why he has the uh, the professional mic. Thank Joel you. might have been in that poker game back in uh, in Chicago in 2012. Um, I can't remember who else was around that table. He's but a there pro, were... by
1: the way. You got to be careful. him. Mean, he'll take your money.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> challenge, challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Uh, Scott, welcome to the show. Josh says, who's one of the most difficult autographs to get from Star Wars? Who's top ta- first uh, one? Uh, the,
1: the most difficult to get from Star Wars is probably Des Webb. Des Webb played the full-size Wampa. In Empire Strikes Back, uh, I've seen one autograph of him before. He's dead. But they actually made a full-size Wampa costume. This guy was huge. They basically used very little of his footage. They filmed it, refilmed a lot of it. They did pick up shots. He's a tough autograph. I'd love to have him, and I don't.
0: Because you want everybody that was involved in the movie, don't you?
1: Yeah, I I really do. I mean, I really want to have like the main people. Like in the first Star Wars, Graham Ashley was a a fighter pilot. He died literally right after the movie came out. His autographs really tough to find. Stuff like that I really like to get. You just don't see it a lot.
0: All right. All right. Uh, Jeff wants to know, what did Rick offer you for your Star Wars stuff? And what was the magic number you were looking for?
1: I think Rick offered me for the poster and for the set. I think he offered me 150,000, I believe. And I wanted, I would have taken 200.
0: Okay. So, um,
1: you know, I think it's worth every penny. I mean, if you could put together a full star Wars signed set from 77, knock your shoes off. Go ahead. Let me know how it works out.
0: It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. Scott remembers says that was a cool episode. A meet my buddy, a meet pretty cool stuff. Yes. Joel told <laughs> Joel told <laughs> you told him he had to watch. Well, thanks yeah. for watching, Joel. <laughs> subscribe to the YouTube channel too, please. Joel, I'd appreciate that. Thank you very much. And thanks to everyone who has. If you're watching, you probably have by now. If you haven't seen the show before, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you very much. Uh A meet one. This is a good question. Did you ever feel awkward chasing any of these autographs?
1: Yeah, there's always that time where you feel like, God man, I'm I'm better than this, you know. Um, typically. Um, I'll tell you the truth. It's when security tries to make you feel like you're worthless, you know, and most of the time, honestly, it's like a rent a cop or people you, you know, I'm like, man, I make more than these people and they're treating me like crap. That's when I don't feel good about it. Waiting at two, three in the morning for someone. But at the same time, the satisfaction of getting, it's cool. But yeah, those times when it's like, I don't like doing this. I don't, it's like, I'm almost looking at a mirror at times and be like, this is not good.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, I get it, man. I get it. Joel, yeah. Joel's playing poker right now while he's watching of the course, show. Yeah. Joel, Joel, focus, buddy, focus. Uh, Richard, ho, hey, Jerry, hey, Steve. I got to meet Steve at the last Star Wars celebration. Good to see you on sports cards live. There is a crossover fan. Very cool. Very cool.
1: Good to be here. show. Joel says, yes.
0: like, Joel says I, "I don't. I haven't even read this yet. Let's see what it says. Let's hear you talk about my favorite subject. How can we get the FBI involved to clean up the counterfeit autograph market on eBay, Amazon, and elsewhere on the web? It is out of control." That's a big. That's a big topic. Let's come back to that. Let's come back to that. All right. He knows. Come back to that. That's that's a that's a big topic. All right. So, yeah. Steve. I mean, something I I want to know about is you know you were at PSA as the as a an autograph authenticator there for PSA DNA. I believe would that be the what it would have been?
1: Right. Two thousand March two thousand two through. I feel like it's a deposition. Uh, I've done a lot of those uh, through uh, September. 30th or twenty nine, 2016. So uh, yeah, I was there for a while, started off, and we talked about this before. I just started off as a senior authenticator, then principal, and it kind of changed a little bit. But about 2005, I pretty much took over the entire division. I was running the whole thing. So,
0: And so by that was 2005, and then yeah. you eventually, I mean, it was a big move. It was a big move in the industry when you, Brian, and I don't know who else from your team left kind of PSA together, and you guys migrated over to Beckett authentication services to start kind of start or maybe you know, relaunch the authentication business that Beckett had. Talk about like what happened. I mean, I'm curious why the move? What happened? Why, why leave PSA and go to Beckett?
1: Well, okay, there's a few things involved. I mean, first I felt that after 14 years and that Position that I had achieved a lot there, and we had great success as a company. Record numbers, we're doing great things. I was paid very well. I'm not complaining about that at all. I had a really good deal, especially the last six years I worked there. I was compensated very nicely for doing my job and looking at autographs. But I also felt at some point, hey, maybe um, there's a little something else. Instead of uh, renting a place on Park Avenue, you know, and moving out and have nothing to show, maybe I could own a little something and have a little piece of it. So that's the difference with Beckett. Also, at the same time, um, I believe leave, and this is, you know, probably differing in opinions, but, you know, PSA wasn't really prepared when my contract was up in 2016 to come up the table and say, Hey, we've got this much more or whatever to make you stay. There really was none of that. Um, I never really got an offer from them at all. Um, and I'm telling you zero. Um, and I felt like I was being pushed in against a wall and I just said, okay. Um, I had a out in my contract, which uh, required a 90-day notice, and I activated it in June of 2016, and I gave my 90 days notice, and Brian did as well, and that was the end of it. We felt uh, we would... able to do some things at Beckett we've never been able to do at PSA and we've been able to do that and we have you know a little more control over everything and all of us have our own separate roles and certain things we specialize in and you know Brian has got his stuff he does we've got you know Charlie Price who works out of Atlanta he does his stuff Patrick does a lot of the entertainment stuff Uh, Larry works with vintage stuff and he works out of our office so we all have our different specialties you know and that, that's been the good thing about Beckett. Of course, there's growing pains. There's things we want to improve. There's things we want to change. And I will tell you, I know the card grading business um, is competitive too, but the autograph authentication business, there's essentially just three companies that do it reputably, at least to some extent. I'll say that um, it's competitive. You know, There's other companies that do it, but I don't give them much credence. So I'll just say it's a very competitive business and I feel we stay on top of it. But I, you know, I go back to this again, like when people say, I'd love to have your job. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. It's nonstop constant. And, you know, if I, if I could tell you, I I was in Dallas a week and a half ago, I worked on a Tuesday through a Sunday. I worked 80 hours in that span and I barely slept. I worked, 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 and I left and there was still enough work to keep me there another week. So it's just nonstop work travel and it's gratifying at times the stuff i get to see sometimes it gets lost in the shuffle to be honest with you i mean today i was at scp auctions i saw jordan game you sign shoes kobe sign game you shoes Uh, Jordan signed sports illustrated from college his rookie year. You know, it's just like all this great stuff I get to see all the time. Sometimes I take it for granted, but man, I am lucky to be able to see that, you know? So I'm very thankful for that, but that's kind of the path up to Beckett. And they, Jeremy, they needed an autograph division. They had worked with JSA on slabbing stuff, but that was it. But they wanted to get into that side of the business. And I'm, I know they're very happy we've gotten them that point. And I feel what we've attained in such a short time is just absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah. Awesome, man. So what, you know, something I'm really curious about is that, you know, the fact that watching you on Pawn Stars, it would, you know, up until mid 2016, the caption when you came on would say Steve Grad authenticator PSA. I would think that PSA would really like that sort of uh, free attention that you're your appearing on Pawn Stars would bring the business and the brand overall. So when you say they didn't even get, there was no offer or anything for you and then you just were able to go to Beckett, Beckett must've loved that. Like did Beckett love, did Beckett see, see value there that PSA didn't see?
1: Yeah, they, they have seen a lot of value in it. And, and you know, I think PSA appreciated it at first, but I will tell you, and I could segue into that a little bit, is the job on Pawn Stars was offered to me originally in 2009 when they filmed the pilot. I was offered the pilot, uh, our company was, and they wanted me to be on it. The company turned it down. They had another project in mind. And also at the same time, I don't know if management wanted association with a pawn shop. They really didn't know what they were getting into. Well, they kind of blew it. Show took off. And there's so many funny interactions between 2009, 2012 range where the pawn shop would randomly call PSA DNA up or call customer service and say they wanted us on the show, but we had to pay him money. And it was all this crazy stuff. I don't even know how that stuff happened, but they had drew max on drew Max uh, passed away. Drew max was AAU authentications. And, and listen, you could go Google them. There's a long line of issues and problems. And he had many problems on the, on the show. And in 2012, they kind of cut ties with him. 2013, Um, It was a really nice thing, actually, that my boss at at PSA said, here you go, just call this number. And it turned out to be the casting department for Pawn Stars at Left Field Pictures. They wanted me to be on the show. So literally like a week and a half later, I'm in Vegas filming. So um, it started off like that, 2013. And the great thing is the autograph stuff is very popular on the show it just seems to attract a lot of attention. So I've filmed, I've probably filmed roughly about 130 or 140 different scenes for shows. I think 112 or 15 have aired, something like that. It's hard to keep track of them, to be honest with you. And I, and I don't take that for granted. I think it's great though. We come on with Beckett authentication. I have my shirt on. They mention it in the lower half, they call it. We get mentioned in the credits. And it's just something great to put next to our name at the company. And I think that's a a great thing to have. I'm not sure. You know, PSA, I felt like some of that stuff got lost in the shuffle. And quite honestly, I, I think they wanted me to have a vehicle at some point to have the own show. And that kind of faded for the whole company. You know, it's tough to do. A show about our industry—it just doesn't seem to ever take off. I've seen people do scissor rolls, and I've been part of them. They just don't work. But being a little part of this Pawn, Pawn Stars thing has made a big difference for me. Obviously, my career, but also for Beckett Authentication. I mean, you know, you look at this much, Jeremy. We started off with the name that helped a lot. Having the Beckett name means a great deal, okay? But then having it all over TV and just promoting it like crazy, and we are, you know, overtaking all these other authentication companies in such a short time. So yeah, it's paid off greatly. So
0: Speaking of the other authentication companies, I'm curious uh, because you, when you and Brian left PSA, they were now without their top two authenticators. I would argue yeah. what What do you know about the people that replaced you, and are they as qualified as you guys were? And are? Uh, I,
1: I don't feel no, I don't. And you know, they, they essentially what they had to do was go out and hire autograph dealers, and they did that, and they brought in some autograph dealers to do things. Um, guys that had limited experience and and really authenticating autograph. And I'll tell you the truth. I think it's shown and I don't want to sit here and, you know, trash the guys or whatever. And I do know some of them personally, some of them I don't know. Um, I think some, in some cases, very unqualified to be making opinions on stuff, but Hey, they're going to let it ride and let them do their thing. That's fine. The, The one thing I've really learned about is like, I don't need to look in that rear view mirror. I'm going to throw the rock behind me and just keep moving on. So it was a great career. Uh, I wish everybody the best of luck. I made so many good friends, Jeremy. And that's the thing that, you know, it's not It's not the people that you would see at shows, behind the scenes people and great friends. I traveled so much with these people. And then, you know, all, you know one day it's all gone. But the great thing is, is that, in, well, not now during COVID times, but before COVID, I'd fly back from a Chicago show back to Orange County or somewhere and and half the staff that I used to work with would be on the flight. So it'd be nice to see everybody and catch up. So I, I I don't like to get in the trashing game. I just don't think they're highly qualified to be authenticators there. And you know what? Maybe they're finding that out. Maybe they're not. I don't know. I All I know is what we're doing and focused on, which I think is good things. So sure. yeah, it's, it's a, like I said, man, competitive is like an understatement.
0: Yeah. And maybe maybe they will. Maybe they have gotten better since they started and will continue to improve on their skill set as well. Right. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: maybe I, I don't know Yeah, but probably not. OK, fair enough. Fair enough. So I want to I was going to talk about kind of what's exciting about your job. I think you've already you've already given us a good taste. Of that. So let's skip ahead to the next topic I have, which sure. is, you know, when you're authenticating autographs, one of the reasons is to, to spot the fakes. So. Yeah. You've obviously spotted your fair share of your fair share of fakes. I'm curious about a couple of things. Number one, is there a is there a fake rate that you're aware of? Like, is it one percent mm-hmm. or fakes, two percent? But before you answer that, I also want to kind of know, like, you know, have how how has that has your job um, sort of forced you to deal with when there is a crime going on or a fraud going on? Have you ever testified in court, been a witness in court? Ever been involved with the FBI, anything like that? You met, you alluded to that earlier. Why don't you speak to those sort of? Interesting
1: yeah, I, I mean, I, I, so about two thousand fourteen or fifth. Well, actually, started way before that. We, we've done some stuff. We did a sting operation with an auction house and a guy who bought stuff. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, that is. This, I will tell you, we marked a bunch of baseballs. So when we were at PSA, we had uh, basically like a paint pen, but it was invisible and we would have a laser pointer and it would light up. So that's one of the things they have. They use to put on stuff to know if they've authenticated it. So what we did is we marked these baseballs at a certain spot and we put a certain marking on each one. And lo and behold, a month later, uh, this guy takes him and he's at a show for Washington show at uh, the old Philly Expo center. And he brings in, these balls and tries to sell them to an auction house. And there they were. So the auction house actually took the items and said, okay, we'll buy them. Um, we contacted the FBI who was alerted to this whole process and we turned the stuff over. Unfortunately, they didn't really find it sexy enough and they kind of let it go. But 2014, 15, I started working with the feds on a guy that was a, a, a lot of trouble based in Southern California and also Mexico. Um, and I thought the case had kind of died off. I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles at a show in December and uh it's a friday and i get a um i believe i got a phone call from an uh, i i grabbed it it turned out to be the lawyer for the company that owns beckett saying the fbi wanted to get in touch with me i said well so you'll have to find out what they want because usually when the feds want to talk to you it's usually not good so uh, i've had that role too but um so at any rate that <laughs> all they want to talk about was the case and they wanted me to refresh their memory about it and I I had about an hour conversation uh, middle of December right before Christmas with an FBI agent. She wrapped up the case. They ended up arresting the guy. Um, when he was crossing over the border back in the United States. So, um, and ended up indicting him um, for forgery and a bunch of other charges. So, um, he's a bad guy. He's been doing it for years. Uh, you know, and I, I hope that I helped the feds and filling him in on enough information on how to find the guy. So, that's one case. I've helped him before too, but I'll tell you what, the one thing, and Joe mentioned this about the cards, but the autograph thing, it's just not. It's. I don't know if it's sexy enough for them. You know, I mentioned when I talked to the FBI, the lady in December, I mentioned a bunch of places that they should be looking into. And it was kind of like one of those things like, oh, "Okay, uh, Yeah, drop me an email. I'll look it over. And I was like, yeah, okay. Let me just get off the phone because they didn't care. You know, and there's an auction company out of Pennsylvania that's, I mean, they've been doing this for years, 15, 20 years. And they used to be an SCD. I don't even know. I think they're online now. And I mean, the stuff they sell is comical. And I mean, if you went back and looked through the years, how many, uh, Christy Matthewson balls they sold and, you know, Ty Cobbs and Babe Bruce and Ruth Gehrig's it's it, the numbers are staggering. You know, you don't see Lou Gehrig single balls, but you could find them in this auction. I think at some point the feds would want to do something about that, but they don't even care about that. And the stuff that goes on eBay, hard to get them too involved in that so it's unfortunate but i'll tell you the truth it is what it is and um uh, to this day i'm still tracking some guys that are forging stuff and we've set up a few little traps here and there i'm not going to mention but there's a few things set up that they kind of fall into once in a while so
0: sure so what what rate would you say in your in your lifetime of authentication history have, what rate of autographs that you see are fake can you can you quantify that at all?
1: Yeah well here's the thing I would have to take out like the witness stuff and that's the stuff we watch okay so we'll take we'll take that out of the pot yeah um, and then uh, you know I'd, I'd probably say submissions I'll stick to just straight up submissions at an office and shows I'd say that rate is right around 55 60 percent
0: no really that high. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Now, so, you know, it's different when you go see a dealer, like, you know, if I go to Mill Creek Sports and right. he's got bulk stuff and he's got 300 Drew Brees and 500 of this and 800 of this, that's different. But just pure submissions and stuff we've seen at shows and offices through the years, at least in my eyes, over the last 18, 19 years. Yeah, it's, it's that high. And, you know, what brings it out again? Michael Jordan, The Last Dance? Mm-hmm. Fake, 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 fake. It's all the stuff. We used to see back in 2002 and three, and the last 10 years and 15 years, it still comes out. And it's crazy to me. I still see the Operation Bullpen stuff, the 500 home run balls that are bad, the bad Mannels, the bad DiMaggio's, the bad Williams. It's all still there. It's all still prevalent in the business. And the stuff's never going to go away. And the one thing to remember, and you know this from from being a card guy, I mean, I think people like to collect cards, but they don't know everything about cards. They get fooled. Same thing with autographs. People love autographs. They love the novelty of hanging something on their wall. But at the end of the day, some of them don't even know good from bad. And I've walked in people's homes where they just have all their walls in their house filled with bad stuff. And i have just go, oh. bad, 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 oh, oh. bad, bad. And it's just really embarrassing for them. Um, one guy refused to pay us. You know, it was just you know. But there's also setups where they try and bring you in and catch you and stuff. And you know, that's why I don't like to do a lot of house calls anymore because I always feel people are a little. Not everybody, but there's some pretty shady guys out there. You have to be really
0: careful. So tell us about uh, the the Babe Ruth guy that you kind of caught.
1: So, so you know, the thing is that we've been working on this for years. Now, I'll I'll tell you this much. A good forger is going to get stuff by. It's going to happen. And it definitely happens. And there's no perfection to what I do. Um, I think the experience has helped me a lot. Um, Being out there doing autographs my whole life, it's been a big part of it. But, you know, a good forger is going to get you once in a while. So um, we'd really started to stick our eyes on this guy. Um, and he would just forge high-end stuff. He, and, you know, I refer to this, I've, I've, I've referred to this a lot lately, and people want to understand, you know who Mario Mendoza was? Baseball player, I think he played for Seattle, but he, they, they called Mendoza line, you know, 200, right? right? So the guys who really go for these high-end stuff, and this is like this Babe Ruth guy who's based out of, I'll just say the Midwest area. He goes way above the Mendoza line. He takes it to a work of art. So he's a perfectionist in what he does. And he'd been doing Ruth for so long, um, some of the stuff had been accepted by other authenticators, auction houses, just normal. Well, once we started sitting there and saying, wait a minute, why is he doing this? Why does he do this? So you start going through the signature. Start to find five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And I'm like, wow, look at all these. It's the same ink on everything. and But it's perfect. It's a work of art. So you start to catch him. Is he inscribing things how Ruth would? No, he's not. And that's what the bad forgers, not even the bad ones, but the good ones don't pick up on all the time. Someone signs their name, how they do a certain thing, how they write a little thing. People miss that a lot. So those are the things you start to pick up after repetition, seeing it nonstop. And that's what that type of thing I've seen constantly throughout my life. And then you start to pick up patterns and you see what goes on and then you start to track stuff. I'm currently tracking a guy here in Southern California who's forging stuff, uh, entertainment stuff, but it's It's interesting to start to track and figure out that whole puzzle. And we did that with the Ruth guy. And there's another guy out east that does it too. He thinks he's a wise guy, and he lives out in New Jersey. And he's awful at what he does. Someday they're going to come down and crash on him. He's got a big house and drives a convertible, and you know, um, uh, you know, he's got his hair slicked back and thinks he's somebody special. But there's going to be a day when the feds come down on him and say, "Hey, finally, they're going to, they're going to close it up on him." And I can't wait to see what they find. You know, I want to see the different inks and all the stuff he manufactures and makes because I did get to see that stuff when the FBI had um, uh, their bust. You know, many years ago they wrote about it, books written about it. I got to see all that stuff in the warehouse and it was pretty cool. You know, they take baseballs and they take all the markings off of them and they take them and put them in dog food and bake them in ovens and then re-stamp them and do all this crazy stuff. I got to see all the stamps and all that stuff, you know, and I think there's one stamp or two that they spelled the commissioner's names wrong. It was just like, do your homework, guys. Yeah. It's it's not that
0: hard, you know. (laughs) yeah no for sure for sure man I hear you okay so let's go to a couple of comments um Joel Joel says that Joe Orlando thought he could replace the best autograph eyes in the business with dealers who are now behind a once trusted name in the industry he was wrong so I want to just point out I have you know I happen to know who Joel (laughs) Alpert is for all the people watching especially the hockey fans Joel Alpert is uh, Bobby Hall's agent I believe and uh, represents some other athletes as well so you know, when you're making a comment like that, um, I think I think it's coming with from some with some with some, you know, experience and probably some accuracy to it too. So he's a, he's
1: a great cheerleader. He's been great, always on our side. I will tell you, I think he's right. And um, I would never disagree with what he's saying. And maybe I'm a little biased, but there's no it's you can't just sit in 2016 when we were gone. It's hard to just slide someone else in and be like, okay, here you go. Here's what you have to deal with. Good luck. It's a lot. And it's daunting yeah. and it's not just being an autograph dealer anymore and overpricing autographs. It's authentic, authenticating autographs and pulling the trigger on stuff. And it took me a long, I will tell you this much and relating to the industry, Jeremy, it took me a long time to learn how to pull the trigger properly on stuff. Because if, if you get in that position, if you're the lead authenticator, principal authenticator, whatever it is, you got to pull the trigger. You can't sit back in the chair and just wonder what if you got to start pulling the trigger on stuff, if you feel confidently pull the trigger on it. If you don't, you know, that's okay. But there's a certain part type of person that can do it. And I learned that a long time ago.
0: Right on. Okay, man. So uh, regular viewer, Billy here, he says, can you discuss how the compensation works for a grader or authenticator? You work 80 hours a week. Are you obligated to authenticate a certain amount of items during that time? Or are you paid per item?
1: Uh usually not paid. No, I'm not paid per item. Um, you know, I can't talk about the whole specifics of the contract and all that stuff. I don't even know what the graders make it back at. I know they work great hours. I'm 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 more of like a uh integral piece to the puzzle there. So I have a vested interest. So I feel like you know, the work part of it is just constant. So I don't mind doing the hours and it needed to be done, but it's just, you know, I've always put in the time. Even at PSA, same thing. We always put in the time because I was always on the clock. There was no for me, there was no downtime. So you Beckett, just it's, it's it's pretty much the same thing.
0: Right. Okay. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So you said, you know, you don't work for Beckett Grading Services. You work for and have a piece of Beckett Authenticate. You're a partner in Beckett Authentication Services. There's a, there's a question earlier. I don't know if it's something that you can comment on, but I'll bring it up and just if you can't comment on it, fine. If you can, great. Um, Amit wants to know, do you ever find it to be a conflict of interest to be a grading company that prices its own cards? And I mean, you're not part of that, so Something you want to touch on or not?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it is or not. I mean, I guess you could say in one way it is, but I'll just tell you the truth. And I know some people won't, you know, agree with this or whatever, but I mean, there's no motivation to do that too. These guys are slammed. They're bogged down grading all the time. These guys are working, you know, nonstop. They're also trying to get better at their skill. That stuff doesn't really play into it. That's Beckett Media as it is, anyway. That's a whole separate division of the company. So you have Beckett grading, you have Beckett authentication, you have Beckett Media. And you also have um, CBCS, the, co- the comic book company, you know, by, by what you're mentioning, are, are they, you know, um, let's say that raising the price of cards or, you know, in the, in the grading thing. I don't think so because these guys are too focused on other stuff and that's not really their interest. I could tell you that from being at two big companies because uh, PSA also did the SMR when I was there and there was grading in there and, and Joe Orlando really did that stuff. Um, the card graders, they didn't have time to do that stuff. You know, the, the management down there, they, they were, they're too busy. And, and it's the same thing when I'm at Beckett. These guys are working. They're working weekends. They're working long hours. They're trying to get everything right. They're trying to catch the bad guys too, by the way. So no, I absolutely not. That doesn't come into play. And you know, I've heard all the, and I'm not saying this is a crazy thing because that's a great question, but people say, oh, you swap out cards and you do this. And I've heard that for years. And people have sued when I was at PSA, people sued that company all the time saying, oh, you swapped out my 52 manual. It was a 10 when you had it. Sure. Of course. And it comes back as a three, but you know, there's not a factory going on. They're not like doing that type of thing. They just don't, there's no time for it. If you guys understood how busy these companies were and, and how busy they could get, it just is out of control. I mean, you've seen the raw card review. It shows you've seen how that is. I mean, those guys don't even have time to breathe. You know, they're not worried about that other stuff.
0: Right. You know, and that all makes good sense when you when yeah. you describe it like that in the, in the in the context of, you know, you've got the, the the media division, you've got the grading, the card grading, you've got the autograph grading. You know, it's it would be tough to coordinate that. I think I think to the question, though, it, you know, there, there's the perception is that it could be a conflict of interest. But practically speaking, you're saying it isn't. I think that no, well, I think that will I think that'll give comfort to a lot of people. If, if you I, understood
1: how busy these guys were in and, and how busy the management team is there that's the last thing from their mind i mean the submissions are coming in like crazy and I, I know they come in crazy for psa card grading too so that's their focus is getting stuff in the door getting it right and getting it out the door not you know manipulation of prices or anything like that stuff goes for what the market bears usually typically you know if i'm right about that because i've seen i've been in this industry forever and that's usually what happens
0: yeah for sure i think i think you know it I think I would argue against a price guide really being able to set the value of cards. I think where we're you're seeing values of cards being set on 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 open markets like an eBay yeah. sort of place, you know, <laughs> the the good, the reliable comps at at least uh, versus versus what a price guide, which may already be almost a month old, can say. Uh, and then you've got all these you know significant influencers out there right now talking about certain cards that's helping to drive up prices. That I don't think any real magazine type of uh, format can keep up with quick enough so and you're 100
1: correct and that was the thing about the smr you know you, yeah and same with the the Beckett price guys i mean they're not made th- you know they're not out every day so you know things change things fluctuate but to have that be the focus there's no way you know they like to keep it current and stay on top of it but you know no it's not there trust me
0: yeah okay makes sense to me all right so uh you'll you guys watching out there you'll notice on the stream on the sp- the ticker down below, if you're an anonymous Facebook user, please go to StreamYard.com slash Facebook and click the big blue button. That way your question doesn't look like this and I will get you more involved. But this anonymous user, Steve, wants to know, are there any any big things coming from Beckett in the new, in the near future? So I, I think that. there's
1: some stuff that we've thought about. Um, there's some other uh, avenues we've thought about going, uh, action figure grading, uh, getting into game used uh, autographs, not game used autograph, but bats and jersey, stuff like that. I think those things are things that maybe are down the road somewhere. I don't know if it's going to happen soon, but I think once we get past this period, I think those are things we have an eye on and we have had for a while. So hopefully that's somewhere we can grow into.
0: Awesome. Okay. This next question, I was going to get to this a little later on, but let's just hit it right now. So uh, same, maybe the same person says, are you finding a backlog of autographs from everyone sending stuff in with all this extra time?
1: Uh, I'd say the backlog ends up happening on the uh, getting it all processed. So um, it's just a big job. It's not something that's really easy. When I go there, when I go to Dallas, you know, and where I really work anywhere, but you know, for example, when I worked in Dallas, I work on my computer. I enter stuff in the system. um, We're trying to get it done as quickly as possible and efficiently and right. But you know, there's also the next step Then it's got to go to another phase. So is there a a significant backlog? Yeah, I'd say so. Two to four weeks, at least um, they're working on encapsulation like crazy. Um, You know, there's resources in the building that you have to, uh, you know, have social distancing with. So, you know, not everything works perfectly right now. I don't think at any business, but especially in Texas, we have to, we have to honor those social distancing rules. I worked out of a conference room with just another guy when I was there. So I had a lot of room to myself. So, you know, we're, we're looking to those type of things. Plus we're doing the on sites on the road. We've just gone off a huge road trip where we had guys in, you know, Chicago, St. Louis, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, Chicago, again, Detroit. So we're constantly like moving around, doing stuff, getting stuff in the office. And I, I don't know how they breathe, to be honest with you. They sent me, uh, I had a pack, I have a package waiting for me to sign 500 letters. So, and they need it back Friday, So
0: <laughs> It's a long no rest time. for the wicked man. No rest. Okay. Um, Jeff, this is a question from something we were talking about about 15 minutes ago, uh, he, you know, comments it's interesting, the invisible ink uh, that you yeah. put on items that are not real. Um, is that still common? Is this something that's happening?
1: Uh, they PSA probably still does it. Um, and we did a PSA. It was just like a little paint pen. You swipe a certain area. And if it ever came up saying, did you authenticate this piece? You could take the laser and just put it over it. So that was years ago. They do make little invisible ink with something you could check. Um, I have one of those pens actually just in case, I run into an instance where I think something's going to come back forged or someone says to me, hey, can you mark this? I think this guy's going to buy this and forge it. So um, in those instances, I do. I do have a little pen that's you could find, uh, I think, on Google for that or something or Amazon. So, um, But, you know, when we did a PSA, you know, we marked the stuff. Sometimes it ruined items because the, the stuff would come out too quickly. So I never really like using it too much.
0: Okay. Fair. Charles wants to know, how do you find authentic autographs, also known as exemplars to base the ones sent in for authentication off of?
1: I think you start building an authentication database. You know, I started building it as a collector, you know, and then you transfer that and then you start working as an authenticator. When I started in 2002, you start building a database of stuff that's authentic contracts. Um, team baseball stuff like that and then you start weeding out you know and that's kind of how it starts it just starts off really small and you just build into it contracts help checks you know official documents and those are things i've been fortunate enough to see through the years um in 2002 three four five you couldn't really research that stuff even six now you could go online and look for all that stuff it's all out there that's been sold so that helps too but i have a pretty extensive database that i'm able to reference pretty much anything i need to once in a while yeah there's times when you just got to take a step back there was uh, a uh, football Hall of Famer, uh, not even football Hall of Famers, a, a, a football player who died in 1967 in Vietnam. He played, I think, at uh, Army or something in the 50s, but he ended up dying in 67. And just just recently, I think we had two, three pieces submitted of his, signed by him, and I, I had to punt him back because, to tell you the truth, I couldn't find much on the guy of anything at all. So I'm still kind of looking for exemplars. I save those. And then if I see more in the future or maybe an album page or a a team sheet or something I know is authentic with other authentic signatures, I could start to deduct, well, okay, I think this is probably real. So stuff like that. But it takes a while for some stuff. You know, Um, It takes a while to build an exemplar database of deceased Hall of Famers or a guy like Tim Keefe who didn't sign much or there's not much known of him. So it takes a while. So you have to gradually work through that process.
0: Oh, that's a great explanation. Thank you for that. Uh, Billy wants to know, and we talked about this earlier, Steve. So I'm, I think I know who you're going to say. But which celebrity or star has the most variation in their signature and is the hardest to authenticate?
1: I'll tell you what. Okay, so I there's a lot of them. Celebrities' autographs just turn to slop. Someone show me a Ryan Reynolds autograph from 2000 compared to now, and it's not even in the stratosphere. It's so different. So guys really vary it up. But the guy who I I love, Harrison Ford, so I'll use him as an example. And he's taken his autograph from being, you know, he's always a very strong signer. That hasn't never changed. But he's got so many different variations of his signature. Let's go back to like 74, 75 when I could track him. All the way up into modern when he does sit down signings, but maybe signs in the street, but maybe Harrison's in New York and he's had, you know, 12 beers and he's a little tipsy. And then you get those autographs or maybe he's at Comic-Con one night at three in the morning and he signs and he grabs the top of the pen and just signs lightly. I don't even know why he did it, but there's all these different variations. The new stuff could be very difficult. I think the Sharpie autographs are really hard to authenticate at times. Uh, and that goes for. Harrison Ford goes for any kind of celebrity. You know, it's very difficult. You know, Al Pacino, if you see him on the streets, he might do a check mark. But Al Pacino at a signing where he's sitting down, and I've been present at a bunch of those, he signs a nice full letter signature. So it just, it goes all over the board. It's very fascinating to see how they change. You know, John Travolta has this horrendous in-person signature that you could, it's barely, you're wondering what is going on with it. There, there's one right there. Okay, so there you go in the back. So, yeah. and at the same time, the stuff he signs at shows. Is really nice and it looks so different than his in-person scribble. And the funny thing is, John Travolta did a few shows starting the summer, this past summer, and he signed pretty nice. And then he did some events in L.A. and New York, and I saw the autographs. I'm like, that's how he signs at shows now. I'm like, what's he just switching like that? It's it's crazy. But I think Harrison Ford is the one. I, I he's my favorite. But I love the evolution of his signature. It's pretty much been you know, went from this beautiful every letter signature to all over the board. And I think during a uh, recent signing, he was asked to sign um, his old school signature and he, you know, guys don't really remember. And I said to Lars Ulrich from Metallica one time, I'm like, can you sign like you did in 83? He's like, I don't even, I don't know if I could do it. I asked Kirk Hammett. I said, can you still do that? Kirk Hammett used to write Kirk Hammett. Then he just, then it just became Kirk or just whatever it is. I don't even know what it is. And he doesn't know how to. So he just forgot, you know?
0: Yeah, makes sense. So cool. you know, the, evolution, the evolution, though, dude, I love it. Tell the story about, uh, I think you said it was Ben Affleck that signed 25 uh, different ways for you the, quite recently.
1: Yeah, so, well, not for me, but I, I witnessed a signing. Ben Affleck's first signing was about two years ago um, in Santa Monica. And Beckett Authentication was hired to come in and just witness his signature. And, and Ben got there, and he was all really excited. He saw all the stuff laying out. He's like, all right, this is really cool, man. This is going to be really neat, you know? And he goes, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sign just a little nicer than I would on the streets. So he he rips off about 100 Batmobiles, signing them as fast as he can. And it's a little nicer, I'll admit. Then he goes to sit down and start signing different. Hmm, interesting. Maybe 20 or 30 later, he's signing a little different. Then he's back to signing how he does in the streets, It just went all over the place. And the last maybe, this is something I did a video on. I think I did it for the Beckett Facebook page. Um, He went in the last maybe 10 minutes and he did like 25 different autographs. They were all different. I'm like, how does this guy do that? And the guys who brought us in to do the authentication, the witness said, thank God you were here. Because no one would believe he signed this stuff because yeah. it was all over the board. But I don't know if he was playing around with it, but I guess he just felt like comfortable changing it up, you know. And they had him sign stickers too that they put on the cards, and those were all over the place. Like one to another were all over the place. At least when you sit down with Al Pacino, his autograph from the first one to the last one he signs at a signing, they're going to be consistent. They're going to almost be the same exact thing. Ben Affleck? all over the place. And I know he's done a show or two of signings since then, and they vary still. So it's just how he is, you know, I guess so it's that. You, did account.
0: you end up adding like 25 new exemplars to your library after that? Yeah, yeah, I, did. yeah I did. It was really yeah. neat. Yeah, I found him,
1: right? him on the streets too, where he just signs a B and I've, I've gotten his autograph it's really nice. He's just all over the board. You know, he's a really nice guy, but he's so inconsistent with the signature. You just don't
0: know what you're going to get. All right, let's switch gears here. There's a question from Nick. He asks, what's your thoughts on the somewhat sting operation that happened at the Expo in Toronto a few years back when I watched the video footage of all the people that said the autos were authentic? It blows my mind. Uh, Paul says, was that the one on TSN? He says yes. So are you you aware of that sting operation that would have happened in Toronto? Yes,
1: I saw it. It was online somewhere. And I think they did. Uh, was it Worsley or Johnny Bowers or Ted Lindsay? And I think they showed him faking them and then submitting them. And I know there's a company in Canada that does some authentication. Matter of fact, they set up at the shows there in Toronto, I believe. I've seen them a few times. Um, They did get caught, you know, and it, that does happen. You know, that's been a common practice. They did it with JSA years ago too. Um, I believe at a white plane show or something like that in New York. So you know, it's happened. It's an unfortunate thing. They bring the thing up. It gets certified. And I think that did happen. And, you know, there's a big forgery sting out of, uh, you know, there's a big uh, big forgery thing in Canada. I think those guys got kicked out of the Toronto show that were doing uh, Bellevue and a few other players. Um, And I know some of the stuff got sorted recently by a big company. It wasn't Beckett. Uh, I knew years ago this stuff was bad. Joel Alper could probably chime in on it too. He knows all the names. So that stuff is out there. We're, you know what's crazy? You know, it's really crazy. We had a conversation today. We had a, every Wednesday, we have a, a group meeting. Um, The Gordie Howe fakes are increasing like crazy. Oh, really? Yeah. And I mean, like in the Detroit area, talk about a guy who was always signing his name. Yeah. Gordie Howe fakes. I'm like, really? Not one or two, hundreds of them. So, yeah, that stuff's so, happening. Buyer so, beware. Buyer yeah. beware yeah, on oh. Gordie Howe. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and Bellevue, any of those kind of those like older Hall of Famers. I mean, Ted Lindsey was doing signings up until he died, you know? Um, all those guys were, but people still fake them because you have to consider this much. Think about what they're putting into that signature. Think if they print off the photos at 60 cents each, they could, for Ted, they could forge Ted Lindsay. They could submit it or they could just sell it even for a couple of hours profit. So it's always this mindset where they're going to make money off it and do that.
0: I, I just I know for sure that all the hockey guys watching right now are just so happy to hear you naming off all these uh, vintage Hall of Fame hockey guys, including Johnny Bowers, which is actually just Johnny Bower, but I'll call you on that, but that's it. Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. Is it <laughs> even, Is it Mario Lemieux? Even is even Johnny Bowers' rookie card says Bowers. So uh, you're you're not alone there. You're he was a nice alone. guy, and I spent a lot of
1: time chasing um, hockey autographs. I did, I, I put in my time, man. I did teams for years and years and years, and I chased old timers and got Wayne Gretzky and all that stuff. So I put in my time with hockey. I did plenty of it in my life. Cool. Jeff wants to know what are your top three books that relate to for autograph forgeries. Uh, you know, the names of them kind of, uh, well, I co-wrote one when I was at PSA and I can't even think of the name, of it, but it was like <laughs> the top hundred baseball autographs or something. I, I did that. Um, Charles Hamilton, Charles Hamilton was an autograph guy, uh dealer, kind of expert out of New York. Unfortunately, I, I think like the latter end of his career was a little tainted with some kind of shady stuff that didn't go too well. Um, but he's written some great books. If you go look them up, go read about the operation bullpen. Um, read about that. You know, the, the FBI thing, it's just a fascinating story. ESPN did a 30, 30, 30 on it. It wasn't that good. Um, you know, the only problem I had with the whole thing was Tim Fitzsimmons constantly, his FBI agent that was at the center of this and helped bring it all down, but kept saying these guys were great forgers. They were great at what they did. This was the Marino family who was behind all this. They were awful. I see that stuff and I call it amateur hour. Matter of fact, I saw one today. I saw Muhammad Ali done by them. And uh, by, by the Marino family, it's awful. It's God awful. And I thought their fakes were terrible. So, you know, that was the only problem I had with the whole thing. But the bust is cool. Go, excuse me, go read about it if you get the chance. It, it's an awesome story.
0: Sounds good. All right. Yep. There, you, there you go, uh, Jeff and everybody else listening. All right. Here's a question from Billy. I really like this question. Has there ever been a high level professional authenticator caught either authenticating fake items for pay or faking them for their own items for sale? Uh,
1: I, not not a professional, no, not that I'm aware of and Not the guys that, first of all, for one thing, there's hardly been guys that have ever done it. You know, when you go back and look at the guys that have been in the authentication business and done it effectively, there's just a handful of them. And that's the truth. There's just a handful of them, but there's guys who claim they're experts and stuff who have forged stuff and there's a big one out in, you know, he's out East. He hides in basements and stuff like that. He's one of the biggest serial forgers of all time. Um, There's a guy in Florida who, you know, lives behind guarded gates and evades subpoenas. He's another one. These guys are all involved in all this type of stuff. So, you know, they've always been involved in kind of the underworld of the business. It's unfortunate, but it's there. Are they professional authenticators? No. Do I know any professional authenticators that have taken part in that type of stuff? No, absolutely not. I mean, the guys work really hard at it. The guys that do it, Um, you know, the guys that I work with. No, it's not worth it. You know, and I've always heard this. Oh, you know, you guys sell stickers. Sure. Okay. So what am I making out of it? Go look for the bank transfers. Please go look at that stuff. Go look at my bank records. I'm not taking money to authenticate stuff or any authenticator. I think that's ridiculous. You get to a certain level, you know, and I work for two really big companies and built up a good reputation. Why would I do something? underhanded like that. It doesn't make any sense. And it, just for such a small payoff, I've been offered so many times, Hey dude, just cert this. It's going to go in someone's collection. Don't even worry about it. No, I'm not going to do that. You know, people are like that. It happens. Those are the people I like to walk away from, you know, Hey, um, come on, this baby's like a 10, isn't it? No, it's, it's like a seven. Come on, just just say it's a 10. It's going to a private collection. I don't do stuff like that. So, you know, I work really hard at what I do. I don't want to like knock it down with one, like just one little stupid thing, just destroy it. It's not worth yeah. it. Yeah, No, it takes a and life. I think the guys that, that do it professionally right now, just a handful would never do it either. And I, I feel pretty confident saying that.
0: That's good. Well, you don't want to ruin your <laughs> reputation that you spent so long building and it, it right. doesn't take much to get, you know, that one person who ask you to cert it a, a 10 when it's a seven. They could easily just, uh, you know, report you or, or hurt your reputation with that information. Not not worth it at all, for sure. Um, here's a question. Does Beckett grade sports illustrated magazines?
1: Uh, don't grade them, but we do put them in a magazine slab if they're signed, but we don't grade them. You know, like yeah. if you have a blank issue. We don't do that.
0: It's not like a comic book where you're assigning a grade to the, to the comic book or to the magazine. You will just authenticate the auto on the cover type of thing.
1: Maybe that's something they want to do someday, but I I don't think I want to get part of that.
0: No fair. Here's a question. Cardi C. What do you think? What do you think of folks that are submitting a high volume of low dollar value submissions, both on the autograph side of things and straight up card grading?
1: Oh, It's interesting. Um, We get so much low end stuff for authentication. I think we offer aggressive deals. Um, If you're a big bulk dealer, we'll offer you better pricing. Um, People just like to get their stuff certified. I mean, if someone passes away, you've got this collection sitting here, what's your family going to do with it someday? You know, get your stuff certified. I don't know about the cards, quite honestly. I know the companies, there's tons of companies that submit them, um, you know, and especially I've seen them at, uh, at Beckett. I've seen the stuff when I was at PSA for years. I've seen all that stuff for many years. I just don't pay much attention to the card stuff. The autograph stuff, it's all in the eye of the beholder. Someone wants to get something certified, uh, knock yourself out. I see so much stuff that comes in that's not worth getting certed, but I think people enjoy it.
0: Yeah. I think they just want, sometimes they yeah. just want the uniformity in their collection, have everything graded, right? Yeah. Hey, fair enough. Good fair point. enough. Uh Glenn makes a comment. I knew there were autograph fakes in the hobby, but not to this level. I think he's talking about the Gordy Howe. Uh Richard says might have already been asked, but what would you say is the most faked autograph?
1: It go, it goes in ebbs and flows. Um, definitely Jordan. He's he's Jordan. mostly the king, but Babe Bruce up there too. Uh Babe Ruth, Jordan, Mantle. I think more there's more fakes of Mantle than there are real. Um, so those guys would top the list. Neil Armstrong, you know, stuff like that's up there um, all that stuff kind of makes the list, but right now it's Jordan for sure. I see so many bad Jordans and I have for years. It's never ending.
0: Joel made the comment, Meg Ryan. I think that's, that comment is already, uh, a few minutes old. So that might've been when we were talking about, uh, your favorite person to, to authenticate or someone whose autograph changes, which, which one was it?
1: Well, Meg Ryan, uh, you know, my friend Andy's on the other side of this room with me. We're, we're, he's sitting over here doing some work and, and he got Meg Ryan's autograph one time on his Top Gun poster. Was it Top Gun, Andy? Yeah. He's not paying attention, but it was a line. That was it. That was so good. then she did a signing and her autograph was every letter. So it was, like, but the autograph she signed,
0: she just did a line. Okay. So, sweet, sweet girl. Tough to call that an autograph, but fair enough. It's ink on paper. Okay. Paul says, is there a way to account for autograph changes? Looking at Gretzky signed up her deck cards. It's changed from 1990s until now
1: uh, I think I'll tell you the truth Gretzky's autograph if you look at it on his rookie cards or when he's really young is so childish it's sloppy it's it's kind of just broken it's not pretty he started to get really nice with his autograph through the years and then he signed so much and don't think Gretzky's like a rare autograph or anything the guy has been a signing machine literally his whole life so uh, you know he gets sloppy at golf tournaments but then the Wayne Gretzky authentic stuff is neat and I've seen the upper deck stuff that's nice um, It just varies with him. I think he's a fascinating look at a guy who's switched up his autograph in terms of like neat, sloppy, neat, slop. It's been all over the board with him. And then, you know, now I'm seeing stuff coming back in the mail from him that looks authentic, that people are getting back in the mail from Gretzky. Um, You know, years past Gretzky, if you sent to him, they'd be an auto pen. So that's pretty fascinating to see in person. Gretzky was usually a great signer. Um, I I would say there's rarely an occurrence where Gretzky wasn't nice. You know, I've had chances to get him on 10, 15, 20, 30 things at a time before. So, um, but does he vary? Yeah, he would get short with his autograph. It gets sloppy. He'd connect it all together. It's just, it's all over the board, to be honest with you.
0: Fair. All right. Um, An anonymous user just wants to thank uh, me for hosting and for you for answering his questions. And, you know, thank you, Steve, for answering all these questions. It's so far been awesome. And we're, we still have a bit to go here. Uh, Joel says he got them kicked out. That must've been the people that got kicked out of the expo for that. Uh, he did. Yeah. Fake autographs back yeah. when, uh, Richard says, I think it's global authentic. That must be in a comment and who the Canadian authentication company. No, might- no,
1: it's not. It's not. They, uh, so global was a company that started about, uh, they started with card grading. I want to say they started in about 2001 ish range somewhere in there. And then he started with autographs and they just, uh, it went downhill really fast. They started off with a big bang and it just all kind of went downhill. I think they're still in business, but you know, I don't, you know, okay. who knows? it's not like they're a factor, but that's not the Canadian company.
0: All right. Paul says it's weird. I like autographs, but unless it comes from a pack of cards or I get it in person, I have little interest. I think that speaks to us as card collectors, Paul, like I'm the same way. I'm not a big autograph. Coll- I'm not an autograph right. collector at all. I have a, I have a John Travolta over my shoulder because I, I love Chili Palmer and uh what was his name in Pulp Fiction? I can't think of uh, Vinny, Vincent Vinnie Vega. Yeah, I, Vincent. Lo- I love those characters, but yeah. I love cards. And if a card comes autographed, I love it too. So I hear what you're saying, Paul. Uh, Jason says, "I'll only buy the card, b- buy the on-card certified autographs now because of forgeries." Well, better safe. I, say I, I respect
1: both those opinions too, and I do. But it also limits how your collection is going to grow and expand too. So you're you're limiting yourself too. But if that's the way you think you have to do it, then I respect it. That's fine. Collect how whatever makes you happy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not everyone's yeah. gonna cross over from cards to no. autographs or autographs. That's fine. Yeah, don't. Yeah. yeah. Uh Jeff, similar to sports cards, what area and or subject of autographs are currently undervalued? Great question. Anything, uh any opportunities you see that you think are, you know, has some room to grow?
1: I, I think it's weird, you know, with the autograph stuff. We see guys that just kind of hit it. Um, I think some baseball stuff's been kind of low right now, right before the season starts. Um, I always look at that. Um, but it's hard to say. I mean, you know you looked at the Kobe Bryant market. So Kobe Bryant retired and, you know, his autograph kind of was okay. He's done the Panini signings and he had done scoreboard and upper deck and all this stuff in the past. And and then he did a book. And, you know, that's always the death knell for somebody. If they do a book, that's going to be bad because they, the, the volume of their autograph in the market's going to increase. And you have collectors that just don't care. They'll say, I'll take a signed book or a book plate or a cut over an album or whatever, they don't differentiate. So what it ends up doing to Kobe, you know, kind of killed his value. And then it all shot up. It's hard to find that next guy. You know, who is that next guy? Uh, Could it be, you know, it's not Bryce Harper because he barely signs autographs, doesn't have an autograph deal. It's really hard to pinpoint that. I kind of look to entertainment, you know, and I look to the guys who are going to pass away at some point. Sean Connery is getting up there. Uh, Jack Nicholson, he's getting up there. And then you look at music. If you look at any old school rock guy, that's still alive. You know, a lot of them are past, obviously, but in, they're in that like 70 to 85 range where you start thinking like, Oh, how old is Keith Richards? How old is Roger Daltrey? Um, boy, Pete Townsend, he's not 24 anymore. You know, Mick Jagger, he's had a heart attack or a heart setback. You know, you start looking at some of the rock rates, Elton John, and you're like, Uh, these might be in good investments. And I think to an extent, some of that stuff is because I've seen the music stuff just increase in value literally tenfold over the last 15, 20 years or stuff that, you know, I I put a lot of ink on paper of all these people. I've gotten all those bands before, you know, Bono and U2 and and Metallic and all that stuff. Their stuff just keeps going up in value. So I think it's kind of investing in the right things and looking at the marketplace and observing it and studying it and saying, okay, I'm going to start picking these things and invest in them I, I don't think you could go wrong if you're finding the right things. You have to look at market trends, though. You have to look at what stuff goes for, and you have to see what it's been selling for. So, you know, don't buy stupid. Don't buy John Paul Jones autographs from Led Zeppelin because he was the easiest one. Um, you know, look for Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. Buy stuff like that. That's always going to increase. Iconic, I always say iconic stuff. Um, Merrill Monroe, you know, John Kennedy, Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, stuff like that will always live in our culture whether it's in Canada, United States, Europe, those faces are known very well and they will always live, thrive and survive even after they're gone. So look towards the iconic people.
0: So it's very similar to collecting sports cards and that, you know, I always say to people if you're going to collect cards and you want to have a, you want to consider it a long term investment, you want to go with the iconic, legendary Hall of Famers, yeah. the people that will never be forgotten. A lot of Hall of Famers will be forgotten, but for the fact that they're in the Hall of Fame. But that who who cares really if nobody cares about these particular athletes in terms of collecting them. I think yeah, I mean is- if you're putting
1: your money in Bob Feller, it's probably not the best move in the world. Okay. Yeah. I'm just gonna tell you that in Duke Snyder. But if you're investing in stuff that are iconic and Gretzky has proven that he's iconic Wayne Gretzky is always going to be the greatest player in the NHL Michael Jordan is going to be the greatest player in the NBA those are icons Babe Ruth you know stuff like that you're not looking at a loss if you're investing properly on them never
0: yeah agree 100 percent, 100 especially for cards because that's what I know better uh yeah. Okay, hey, one more question, then I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh Richard wants to know what is the weirdest item you've ever authenticated?
1: I get that all the time. I I'd seemed, you know, probably like a cup,
0: you know, like an athletic cup or a jock strap or a pair of underwear. I mean,
1: uh or women's uh panties, which I've seen, you know, like uh, Pamela Anderson or whatever, you know, that stuff is kind of weird, you know, bras. Uh I I have a client in San Diego who does stuff with uh you know porn stars and they have the weirdest stuff, you know, he's getting the weirdest stuff sign. I'm like, I'm actually authenticating this. I'm like, what, what has happened to me? You know, like, you know, the, they call them the, the, uh, what do they call them stripper heels or whatever, you know, signed by porn stars and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm actually authenticating this stuff. This is what my life's come down to. So <laughs> it's interesting. So that type of stuff. Yeah. We definitely put it in that
0: category. Awesome. Okay. One more question. Then we're going to switch from Wisconsin. How many Jordans have you got in person from MJ at once? So I don't know if this question is submitted to you or that you've actually obtained yourself. I'll let you
1: Oh, I think I obtained myself. I mean, back in the day, and I've talked about this a lot lately, Jordan was a fixture uh, for autograph collectors. He was not tough. You know, he was easy. Um, And in Chicago, if you live in Chicago, the Bulls had to practice. And the Bulls had a practice facility called, um, it was called the Multiplex. It was in Deerfield. Um, And Deerfield was just outside Chicago. And that's where the Bulls practice every day was they practice at like a health club gym. That's where they held their practices. And if you watch some of the last dance, they had a lot of Multiplex uh, footage in there. And Jordan would just walk in the front of the health club. Like if you went to the gym and walked in the front, that's what Jordan would do. He'd park his car in the parking lot, maybe next to mine, and he'd just walk in. So we used to get him out there all the time. Uh, He was great. There was one day, I think it's still one of my favorites. I was probably, I think it was about uh, 17, 18 maybe. I know I was still in high school. My brother and I took the day off school. It was February. We bought a bunch of Jordan posters. We had them dry mounted. Um, we had a, uh, Bronco Ford Bronco drove up there, my brother and I in the morning, um, Jordan, we parked next to him and Jordan came out after practice and we said, Hey Mike, can you sign some posters? We have them in the car. He goes, yeah, sure. So we put down the back of the the Bronco. He came over and he signed about 15 posters for us. He had no problem with that. So I did get Jordan on multiples before. You know, if we were getting him at the multiplex, he'd sign maybe five, six, seven at a time. Maybe some days it would be two or three if he was in a bad mood, had a bad practice, but he was great. Then we'd go to the airport for him. They'd fly commercial. We'd be able to do that all the time. Jordan was a regular at a lot of events in Chicago. So I was able to get his signature quite a few times back then, um, and I had a lot. You know, I, I probably have like 20 or 25. The last time I got Jordan in person was 1993. And I was a member of the media. I was working the media and it was for Wheaties. Wheaties did an event in Chicago and they brought in Walter Payton, Mary Lou Retton, and Jordan called Bruce Jenner, I think was there. But they featured them all on the back of a Wheaties box. They had their Wheaties boxes on the back of a box. It was just a big collage. And they were all there talking about it. And I remember I grabbed one. They had, they had the boxes flat. And I'm like, oh, I'll grab one of these, a like keepsake. And then all of a sudden I see Peyton over there. And I'm like, well, i just have Walter sign it. I mean, no one's looking. You know, if you're a member of the media, you're not supposed to be doing that. I mean, I was still in college and I got a press pass for this. So I asked Peyton. He goes, yeah, sure. He signs it. And uh, Jordan had finished doing interviews. And I said, hey, Mike, uh, I said, do you mind signing this? And he looks at me and he's like, man, what are you doing here? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like. Yeah. What are you doing here? You have a job. Like he recognized me from the autograph days. So he always was good about that and he signed it and I still have that. So maybe it was 92 or something. That's like the last time I got him. I got him at, I got him after their first championship too. And that was, you know, that's it for Jordan. That's all the stuff, you know, all the stuff I got at Jordan was back in the eighties, back in the heyday. And it was a lot of fun getting him and he was a good signer.
0: Right on, man. That, that's that's a cool story. So I keep saying we're going to switch gears, but there's, there are some really good comments coming through and sure. we've covered some stuff I wanted to do later. So I'm going to continue on the comments here. Um, here's one uh, that I like from Georgetown Vintage. Gary Vaynerchuk has recently stated that the trading and authenticating business will one day become automated. What are your thoughts on that? Is there a benefit? Is it even possible?
1: Is it possible? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to rule that out. I started working with a company that wants to uh, plug in, be able to, we'd be able to uh, put a Mike Trout in and it would be able to tell us within a probability if it's a signature. And that's something that's being worked on now. Do I think it's the future? I don't think people are ever going to rely on um, a computer to call baseball games. I think they're going to rely on the umpires. I still think that's going to be a thing. And I still think that human hands and eyes matter a lot in this business. Could it be used as a backup? Okay, here's a good example. I have my team of guys. We have a, um, let's see, we have a Mike Trout autograph because that's a good example. His autographs all over the place. We have a Mike Trout autograph, okay? We're all debating on it. We're all split on it. We're not sure if we should do it or not. Maybe you feed it into the program, however we do it, sent the scan or whatever we put the scan in. And it says there's a 98% probability that this is not a signature. Okay, so maybe that would help break a tie, but would it be the final decision? No, absolutely not. Yeah.
0: Awesome. No, I love that. Okay, And and
1: that's something we're working on right now. I started uh, the test subjects going to be Mickey Mantle. So we'll see how that goes just on flats, too. So there's a lot of variables involved. This isn't like something you just whip together. And I think Gary's got a decent point, but you can't have that. I, I still think people want that human part of it, too. You know, you can't have a computer do all that stuff.
0: Yeah, fair enough. All right. I'm going to take just take a second. And, and you know, I want to welcome all the viewers who are watching sports cards live for the first time. I think, Steve, thank you for bringing some new viewers to the show. I appreciate it. Sure, um, you know, and if you if it's your first time, please do subscribe to the channel on YouTube. I'd appreciate it trying to grow this thing as, as much as I can. Um, So thank you for that. I do appreciate it, uh, everybody. And, uh, you know, in on the YouTube channel there, this is episode number 22. So there are 21 previous episodes, all but one of them have a guest and uh, I haven't had any other guests before who've been on over 100 episodes of Pawn Stars, but I do still have some, episodes, I have some, have had some guests who are, you know, industry insiders and have, uh, you know, some interesting, interesting discussions. So please do go back, check them out. They're long episodes. Feel free to consume them in little chunks, 10, 15, 20 minutes, minutes here or there. The nice thing is that YouTube will remember where you left off. So please do go and subscribe to the channel. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, Joel confirms it was Universal Autographs was the company in, uh, in Toronto.
1: Okay. There you um, go.
0: So that, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Here's another question from Billy. He wants to know, can you think of anyone famous that absolutely refused to sign throughout their career?
1: There's a couple guys that kind of struck a chord throughout their lives. I mean, guys had the sign. I mean, you know, in basketball, uh, Happy Harrison was like a notorious bad signer. He was just a bad guy. But then he did golf tournaments and signed. In baseball, you had just a rash of guys that were just vile. Uh, Randy Myers was one of them, a pitcher back in the 80s and 90s. just Terrible guy. He was just not good people. Um, You know, you had people like that that would kind of insert themselves. You know, Mike Marshall, uh, pitcher for the Tigers and Dodgers. And uh, I think he went young award really good pitcher he's a doctor he looked down on the whole autograph thing for years and wouldn't sign but then finally he decided to sign and he said you know we're not a good role model go go find a teacher or something you know i'm not a good role model for you there were always guys like that were just kind of quirky throughout their careers i mean there was there was years where willie wilson the baseball player wouldn't sign you know it just it goes in these ebbs and flows george bell was a great example uh, a canadian baseball player played in in toronto for years a great player for the blue jays but um, he was an awful signer during his career, and but then he does signings after he retires. So it's like it's hard to say because at some point these guys are just gonna end up signing at some point. I mean, even entertainment, Bruce Willis signs autographs, but he is he's someone I just call vile. He's a nasty guy. So, you know, but they end up signing. So is everybody impossible? I mean, you know, there's a couple guys you can't find. I mean, Herman Hill's tough. You know, was eaten by sharks, you know, uh, during Winter Ball one year in 1970 or 71? Maybe, but his autograph is tough to find, but he was a good signer. So, you know, there's guys that just don't like doing it, but they end up doing it. Bryce Harper is not a nice guy. You know, you talk about guys that just aren't nice. Bryce Harper is one of them. So you run into stuff like that throughout your life and you see this, but eventually everybody's going to end up signing some way, somehow. You're going to end up getting their autograph. For years, Liam Neeson used to say, oh, I don't sign Star Wars stuff. He signed it. You know, Natalie Portman said Einstein's Star Wars up. You still find it because she's done it. So they end up doing it. So it's it's All out right.
0: there. All right. Good, good. Uh, okay, we're gonna keep on going with questions. Um, let's go here. So Richard says, Have there been instances where certified autographs that have come out of a, a, a pack of cards, say from Upper Deck or Panini or Tops, has failed authentication or failed certification. Sometimes I look at the slate of autographs in a particular product, and there are some big variations throughout a thousand card print run.
1: I got in some trouble for saying this, so I just I'll I'll just say that there are some things that look really weird. And we know there's been auto pens used uh, by celebrities to do the stuff. And you guys also know about the Dak Prescott stuff that happened. Very unfortunate. You know, Panini made good on it, but they got fooled. You know, they were convinced they were real. And I've seen there's a really big and I'm not going to name it big NBA Hall of Fame player. One of the greats of the game. His stuff, I've seen it in some of the card companies. It's all secretarial. and But sometimes the card companies don't want to admit it. They don't want to say, hey, this actually happened. Uh, it's tough for them to do that because, you know, think about this. They're not seeing it get signed. You know, they're not in the most part. Sometimes they do, but these guys are just signing the stuff for their agents. Or, you know, I remember doing an early signing with Deshaun Watson at his house. And he was living down in Dana Point, California, uh, because he was here for a quarterback thing, uh, a camp that he was part of. And I remember seeing all the cards sitting up on his – it was in his kitchen. And he had like – boxes and boxes of cars to sign, you know? I mean, they're not watching that stuff sign. So could there be, have I seen some shady stuff go on? A hundred percent stuff that's not right. You see it and you're like, no, that's not happening. So does that stuff happen? Yeah. Will continue to happen? Yeah. I'll tell you, I I have no doubt about it that it's going to continue to happen because you don't have it in their hands, you know? Yeah. Think about it. But I I did get in some trouble recently mentioning some stuff. So I just kind of, I'll just stay out of that. I think there's some weird stuff I've seen and I'm not mentioning companies or anything, but I think the players you know they don't, they don't want to sit there and sign all that and they're getting paid a lot of money they'll take the money and maybe have a family member do it you know it happens so, a lot
0: i mean as you see the autograph kind of uh you know lose quality over the course of a, a large print run it could just be because they're getting tired and sick of sick of doing it there was a there was yeah. a hockey player devante smith pelly who for an upper deck product stamped the cards and people were calling his name is devante smith pelly they started calling him devante stamp pelly because he was stamping his cards he had a an autograph stamp and that was that was caught because it would, Every autograph on every card was the exact same. So it can happen uh, for sure, right? I mean. Well, the Dak,
1: press, the Dak Prescott thing was a big one. And you know what? Perfect. At least, you know what? And I think for a long time, that thing was, okay. I know, the, I know the whole background to it. I know what happened. And it's unfortunate that it did happen. And the thing that I did mention this, and this is something that people don't like to talk about. or But the Cowboys for years have had. Uh, auto pens come out of their team, not an official product, not on cards, but if you sent to Roger Staubach, if you sent to Troy Aikman, if you sent to Tony Romo, those would all come back auto pen. They have an auto pen there that is signed for their quarterbacks for years and years and years. So when I saw Dak Prescotts, was I surprised that happened? Absolutely not, because they had that history of it. So that type of thing happens. I don't think the players either take it too seriously either. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a big deal to these companies. They're paying a ton of money. And to have that happen, it's very sad that it happens. At least you want to have a real autograph in there, you know?
0: Yeah, fair, fair. I'd also want to mention Richard Ho, who asked that question. Uh, was at the he was part of the virtual expo. He was attending the virtual expo this past weekend and he ended up getting married on the Saturday. Richard, congratulations on your oh, wedding congrats. and congrats. Thanks for the deal with me for purchasing the card. Sam, um, hey, Jerry, I hope you're not regretting selling me those Gretzky's, great show Gents. I am not, Sam, I'm happy to see them go to a great home. And thank you for tuning in as always, Sam. Uh, Richard says, I have a shirt autographed by Arnold Schwarzenegger, I want to authenticate. Would you recommend cutting the shirt down for more of a cut auto, being easier to frame or leaving it intact?
1: Don't mess with it. Just leave it as is and then get it off.
0: Is that a golden rule? Don't mess with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. Today I saw a piece at an auction house. It was a Michael Jordan. It was signed probably when he was a, I'd say it was probably when he was in in college, a junior, very nice autograph piece, but the whole thing was hideous and it had, Tape all over it and little photos, and it was awful. So they just cut it down and put on an index card. I see nothing wrong with that. But you have a shirt signed by Schwarzenegger, it's not going to go down or up or whatever. Just keep it as is. You know, and I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine last night. Never alter the autograph, don't enhance it, don't put stuff on it. Just leave it as be. Sometimes stuff's going to fade. You can't do anything about it.
0: All right. Very fair. Wow. We're getting a lot of questions, man. How's your time? I mean, we're at an hour and 20 minutes. I'm willing to keep going if you are. Sure. All right, let's let's Anything get it right here. It. Jason says, "Did Walter Payton sit in his basement and really sign a ton of those phone cards? There's an endless supply of them. Do you know about this?"
1: Yeah, well, you know, Jason, he did the phone cards for. I, I don't know exactly which hurricane it was, but it was for hurricane relief. And a lot of them didn't get eaten up and used. So I do know he did sign a lot of those. And I've seen a lot of other stuff, man. I'll tell you the truth that I'm not sure Walter signed it. Now I know after he passed, his foundation that ran his autograph stuff sold a bunch of stuff to a friend of mine. He had loads of it. And um, uh, Steiner did a deal too while uh, Peyton was still alive, and they've got a ton of it. But then I've seen literally a ton more of it keep coming out uh, full size helmets, mini helmets, jersey numbers uh the photographs there's certain photographs that are real um jason when he was alive they were selling him i have some in footballs too and the one thing i haven't really seen uh, forged in mass on peyton is footballs um i have not seen a lot of those but helmets are always the easy thing you start seeing full-size helmets there's a guy out of chicago that's selling um under maybe three different usernames i always had full-size helmets and minis of peyton and they're always bad And he's been doing it for years. I I can't remember what suburb he's out of, but he uses about three different usernames. But um, do I think he signed the phone cards, to be honest with you? Yeah, I do. Um, You know, I know what they were done for, um, and I know why Peyton did them. And sometimes that happens. You know, the Eagles years ago, many years ago, back in the 90s, had signed a bunch of stuff for for charity or whatever, and it didn't all get used. And someone ended up buying all of it, you know, from either the band or the charity or whatever, and they ended up having all that product. So stuff like that does happen. Do I think he signed those cards? Yeah. Do I see stuff suspect on Peyton? Oh, my God, yes. Cards and index cards and jersey numbers and you name it. It's out there
0: yeah well he's a legendary hall of famer so there's going to be fakes out there for sure right oh yeah absolutely okay, i'm gonna i'm gonna whip through some comments here and we're gonna land on a question about four comments deep here first of all michelangelo says i've never seen an ugly in-person autograph from Giannis since he was a rookie that's good to know Sam- on,
1: i saw i saw one today that's gorgeous on a pair of shoes they were beautiful they didn't even look like his autograph and they were they were absolutely beautiful they were gorgeous right. so he's capable
0: awesome sam says very interesting show guys and some great info thank you sam uh question from wisconsin michelangelo nick says can we have joel alpert on the show <laughs> maybe i don't got to figure out what we're going to talk about uh i don't know joel all that well not,
1: but- not much believe me with joel so i probably i mean keep him on for like five
0: minutes All right. We'll do a short episode with Joel. Joel, if you're still listening, uh, we can have a chat and see if you're interested. Sam says, is it possible that people in this hobby are not subscribed to Sports Cards Live? Smash that subscribe button. You'll love this show. Thank you, Sam. I, I appreciate it so much, my man. Thank you so much. Scott says, do people often provide provenance when submitting items or does that even factor into your process?
1: uh to be honest with you yes and no so you want to judge the autograph for what it is that's the first thing you want to do i don't want to judge the provenance i don't want anytime someone tries to sell you a story they're trying to sell you on something you know um i took in a bob dylan from a friend of mine and he said no uh, just to let you know this bob dylan this is how he talks he goes uh, you know he signed all these different ways and he had the different signature like i don't know this." you know, this one's a little wacky, but I, I know it's him and it, you're going to like it. And it's got it's got great provenance. Well, it's it's not real. But whenever somebody tries to sell you more on something, it usually means it's got a problem. And usually when they push that story so much, they're trying to push something they know is not real. So that happens all the time. And I would rather not hear it. So I tell people, I, I don't want to hear it now, yeah. if I need to go back and look and say, hey, what what was this signed under? What kind of details? You know, Sometimes it's interesting, but it doesn't have to judge the autograph. The autograph judges itself. I don't want to hear the story behind it.
0: Very cool. All right, man. Uh, Paul says, yeah, like I needed another reason to dislike Harper. Richard is sad <laughs> that Natalie Portman's autograph uh, wasn't that there wasn't much effort into it. Um, <clears throat> Billy, what is your favorite autograph that you own or regularly authenticate? It's work for you, but I'm assuming since you started off as a Jordan Auto Hound, among others, I, I, that I know of anyway, uh, you still collect.
1: What I do. Um, Harrison Ford, probably Harrison Ford. Yeah. I mean, that's always the number one, but I still have my old Jordans that I kept some of them, not all of them. I did sell a lot, which is, I really, I don't want to talk about that, but <laughs> I regret it obviously because I sold them for so cheap, but I'd still say Jordan, you know, um, in, in Harrison Ford, there was always guys you got to throw out of getting their autograph. Those two are always at the top of the list for some other reason, Roger Clements, I was always excited to get his autograph. I have no idea why. <laughs> he was not a nice guy either. When he played, he was awful with the Red Sox. He was terrible, but I always liked getting his autograph. Cause it was, you know, when I was younger, I was like, man, you got to charge out of meeting somebody. That's such a big deal. And, you know, at the time this was before, you know, the steroid allegations and all that stuff. And Clements, you know, was, he was the greatest player in baseball. You know, you'd get his autograph or meet him in person or Will Clark or guys like that. It was, you'd kind of get caught up in it. Like
0: man, this is Will awesome. Clark. What happened to, you never hear about Will Will Clark anymore.
1: Uh yeah, he's done some shows here and there. Um funny guy, but you know, great player was really not a nice guy to meet in person was never really that nice of a guy.
0: uh, You know, card wise, Steve, I never hear anybody looking for, I hear people looking for Tony Gwynn and Ken Griffey Jr. And, you know, Randy Johnson and uh, Jose Canseco. I never hear hear anyone looking for Will Clark. He's, I
1: just don't don't think anybody cares. I mean, he had had all those good years, you know, and, but he wasn't good enough to make the hall of fame. He never will be. Um, He had some great years. He wasn't a, a, a fan friendly type, you know, type guy. There wasn't, like a lot of lovey dovey, Tony Gwynn was Mr. Padre. They loved him there. They have a statue of him outside the you know, outside the ballpark. Anybody that lived in San Diego knows Tony Gwynn, they love him because yeah. they have a great experience with him. So anybody I know down there that collects autographs or is a car dealer, autograph guy, everyone has an experience with Tony Gwynn. They love the guy. Not everybody does with Will Clark, usually it's not a good experience because he just wasn't that nice of a guy as a player after he retired a little bit, but his appeal is limited. I mean, how many times is someone going to bring Will Clark out to a show in New York? Who cares? You know, yeah. nobody.
0: no. There's no, there's no statue of Will Clark outside San Francisco Stadium, is there? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Okay. Uh, Kyle not. says Cowboys are very protective of their quarterback's hands. No hand cramps from signing so many autos. Just a reference to what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> Jason wants to know, did and I don't know who Jenny Quirk is, but did she sign any of Walter Payton's stuff? I know? don't think
1: so. I don't think Jeannie did um, personally. Okay. Maybe somebody else did. I don't know what happened down there. You know, the one thing I find hard to believe, and and um and you bring up some good points here about the Peyton thing, you know, literally for the, the glut of stuff I've seen, it would have been Peyton in terrible pain, you know, had this terrible cancer. Um, He was shrunken down to nothing at the end of his life would just be spending all of his time signing autographs in a basement. And I asked Matt Suey, who was one of Peyton's best friends. He played with Peyton. Um, They were buddies forever. Sui was there when he, you know, basically passed away. He was there every day with him. Mike Singletary. I asked Matt Sui, though, before I said, what was the deal with that? Was he just sitting there signing autographs all day? And Matt Sui, you know, basically said no. You know, did he spend some time doing it? Yeah, no doubt about it. Because I think Peyton realized he was, he was fading, you know, he was fading very fast. Um, And I lived in Chicago, I lived through that 99. And I remember how bad he looked. And basically, his diagnosis was not good. He passed away very fast. And I think he also realized I want to get enough stuff out there. So people always have my autograph, but I, you know, I'll tell you, there's real stuff out there that I've seen that still comes in all the time. Anytime I do a Chicago appearance or show, we get real Walter Paytons, but we also get a lot of fake Walter Paytons. So, cause it was so heavily forged and he's, st- I think he still is to this day. Like I mentioned, there's a guy out in Illinois that's got different handles on eBay, selling his stuff all the time.
0: Okay, cool. Um, Anonymous Facebook user wants to know, how do you authenticate someone's autograph for the very first time? Specifically, I don't know how you say it, but Imani Bates, high school basketball phenom.
1: Yeah, we've done a few of him. We just had a few the other day and he has a few different variations of his autograph. Um, my guys on staff, I uh, think they've gotten him or at least one or two of my guys have gotten his autograph in person. So that kind of helps. Oh, okay. uh, they have a friend that's gotten it, him. So it, they're, yeah. Sorry to
0: jump in. You say that kind of helps that's 100% undisputed evidence exemplar right. extraordinaire right there no i mean, right.
1: I, mean and, right I might have a friend in chicago or friend, you know the guys that i really know guys that i've known for 30 years or chase with they've gotten these guys at a young age so that helps to build an exemplar database on that then you start seeing that more consistently and it's kind of neat to see because i'm sure his autograph i saw the early stuff he signed was his full name, and now he's just doing his ebates on stuff. So, um, and even that, the problem is, is these guys get uh, gobbled up pretty quickly by either followers or friends or people surround them. They're tougher to get and they know, you know, their friends know, their people know. You could just sell that on eBay or whatever. So they're less reluctant to sign. I mean, LeBron James did sign when he was in high school, but I mean he was I mean, man, people clamored around him, but he's, he did like a a couple events where he signed autographs, signed photos. He used to sign in high school once in a while, but he started getting tougher and more difficult more difficult. And now, you know, someone asked before tough autographs, LeBron James is right up there. If you're hoping for in-person autographs, he's probably one of the toughest in any sport. I'd say even in any genre, um, he's probably right up there as a top five tough in-person autograph
0: interesting all right uh georgetown vintage says great content today well thank you for tuning in and glad you're enjoying it amit wants to know how is your own autograph do you take more care with it now do you advise clients on how to preserve their autograph that's a great question do you advise clients or athletes and entertainment stars uh, on how to preserve their autograph legacy
1: uh you mean my how i sign my name i think that's what he means um, it's pretty much been the same consistently since I'd say probably 2005 or four or five, where it's just, it's like a mach- i I've just considered just a machine, you know, just, I, I, like if I do an appearance and once in a while I'll do appearances for Pawn Stars, I'll sign things a little nicer. Um, but for the most part, when I sign letters, it's the same thing you've seen for years. It's funny when I see my autograph forged, I get a kick out of it because it happens all the time. I'm like, that's not my signature. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Someone's doing my signature. I I kind of find that. Um, Do I advise clients on how to preserve their autograph legacy? Um, That's a good question. Um, Not really, but I've been around enough celebrities where they'll start talking about their autograph. You know, Al Pacino will be like, how's my name look here? What do you think? Am I doing a good job with it? You know, start mentioning that and you say, yeah, just keep it like that. You know, if you go back to how Al Pacino signs in person for someone, he signs a check Mark. So, you know, You watch him sign his name. He's, am I doing fine with this? The guy that I find fascinating is Ichiro. Uh, I sat in a room with Ichiro and watched him sign for like an hour, one, you know, during one of his signings with Mill Creek Sports. And he is just a machine. Everything is the same. It's incredible. I don't even know how the guy does it, but he's just, he has the same movement. He's in a zone. He doesn't look up. He doesn't drink water. He doesn't sit there and listen to music. He's just a machine, just pounds it out, put the ball down. Put the ball down. And it's the same thing every time. It's amazing.
0: Very disciplined. Okay. Okay. We're at the bottom of the comments that we're going to address on screen for now, which gives us a, a minute here to move on finally. So, you know, the market in terms of cards, Steve, is going crazy as of late. You're well aware of it. What is it like, kind of um, observing that from the from the office of, a, of an of an autograph authenticator? Because it's not exactly your business, but there are obviously some parallels. Okay. Um, what's it like, kind of witnessing it? And do you see it happening in the autograph business too? Is is it about to happen? Has it already happened? Where is where is the autograph? Where autograph values currently relative to where card values are? Um, just you know comp- i
1: think they're way off i mean it, to be honest with you the volume and uh the money that you know the the card grading brings in either at a, one of the big companies you know psa or beckett um it's different than the autograph stuff you know um i find people are consistently getting their autographs mm-hmm. authenticated they like getting cards mm-hmm. signed and getting those slabbed um but I've been watching this market just keep going up and up and up and up and up and up for a long time, for many years. There's stuff that bottoms out. I mean, come on, let's be honest. You're not going to get a lot of money for Chris chelio sign 8 by 10s okay? You know, he's a nice guy, but he's just not worth a lot of money. But there's stuff that you could sit there and invest in, and I've watched stuff grow in price. You know, Carrie Fisher. Mark Hamill, Star Wars stuff, Uh, celebrities, certain baseball players, Justin Verlander, who's a tough autograph. His autograph goes up and up and up in value. Someone like Bryce Harper, who is very difficult. I don't think he's got a card deal. Or he does have a card deal, right? Tops, maybe? He might do one company. He gets paid exorbitantly. Um, He's not signed with any big company. He did one signing ever, and it was like 1,500 or 2,000 baseballs. When we were at PSA, we witnessed it. And that's it. So, you know, I mean, stuff like that, I think stuff goes up exponentially. You know, you watch, uh, Mike Trout's a good example. Look at what Mike Trout's autograph has done through the last six, seven years. You know, I remember when I could have got in on private signings at a really low price. I think that price was like $90 or $100. Now you can't touch the guy for under $300. So the market tends to get inflated with stuff. It tends to go up more and more. And Mike Trout's a good example. I thought for a long time, Sandy Koufax was. Uh, Sandy Koufax quit doing shows, quit doing public appearances in person. If you got him, it was awful. It looked terrible, but he still did a couple signings a year. But what happened is that so much of that product got out there. It just started going down in value and it kind of killed off his autograph. I'll uh, call too. He does one show a year. Um, doesn't sign a lot, but his autograph really isn't worth that much. There's stuff that I look at to invest in. It's not. And we talked about that and stuff that keeps going up in price. You know, I just, I, I still have to always go back to like, the popular stuff and the in the icon stuff. That's where I look to. you know, clinic what,
0: what do you think is more investable? Yeah. Um, a Mike Trout tops update rookie card unautographed just in a BGS or PSA holder versus a Mike Trout autograph on an index card slab by B.A. The card.
1: card. We've seen what that stuff goes for, you know, crazy prices. So I'd say the cards, you know, and that's why we're seeing this, you know, people breaking all the stuff and getting it graded. And, you know, uh, someone came into Beckett recently and broke, I don't even know what it was, but a really high-end box. Like he had a case of it. And he was trying to get one card to grade, the one card he wanted. He couldn't even get it out of there. And he sat there and kept breaking boxes. Break, and each box was like seven grand. It was crazy. And he got nothing good out of it. And I know that's part of that game too. But that's what I've seen, this whole card phenomena. You know, I know guys at card shops. I know Mitch at the bullpen. I've been there. I've watched this go down. You know, people, you know, uh, Mike Fruitman, um, I've seen people in there. They're just dropping all this money just to open packs up and pull stuff. It's insanity. That's why the cards are always going to win. And f- from my insider standpoint, being someone that's worked at big grading companies, cards are always going to be the king of it for sure.
0: Okay, cool, man. So listen, I want I want to kind of race through the last couple of things because it's getting late here. Um, I But I do want to address. Uh, so first of all, Billy says, I really want this Steve Grad autograph, but I have to get it for the right price.
1: <laughs> Zero. Zero. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's free. Okay. A meet this is interesting. Amit has read a lot about how a person's signs gives you valuable insight into their personality. Do you ever chuckle when you see autographs and you are like, this is exactly what this guy's like?
1: Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, I, I go back to Harrison Ford again. He usually signs with power poise, you know um, it's steady, you know, that's Harrison Ford. That's kind of what he is, but you know, sometimes it doesn't reflect that, you know, you get these young Hollywood stars. They just, you know, throw their name up there and scribble it. So it just depends. It really, you know, Matt Damon, who you think would have a nice autograph, his autograph is, you know, it's garbage. It's, it's, it's illegible, first of all. And it's hardly ever to the point where you could certify it because it's that bad. So it's, you know, it's interesting, you know, and Christian Bale, his autograph almost looks like something Batman would sign, you know, that's just kind of how I look at it. So yeah, that happens sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Christian Bale is probably the one, because I'm like, that's how I would want Batman to sign his name that's what Christian Bell does. So
0: cool. Cool. So listen, I know you don't work for Beckett grading services, your Beckett authentication services, but right. for the card guys watching, and there's a lot of them, um, what sort of impact has COVID had on what you see to be the volume of cards coming through and ultimately the revenues kind of like year over year, month over month, that kind of thing recently without, you know, divulging specific financial data. Sure. But you know, what are your, what are your perceptions of that lately?
1: I think it's skyrocketed. I think it's gone absolutely crazy. And I think the stuff has gone through the ceiling in terms of value. And uh, it's just amazing, me, especially with the cards. In every auction, it seems like we're seeing different records. I think I sent you a photo. Uh, there's a Jordan 86 flare graded nine by Beckett and the auto's graded nine. You know, wh- let me ask you something. I sent you a picture of that. That's going to be in okay, a, a SCP t- auction coming up very soon.
0: Very quickly, Steve. Sorry, I'm going to try and bring it up. But when I tried a few yeah. minutes ago, it slowed down my feed because, you know, I shouldn't have any... Uh, Uh, So I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to bring them up, but I'm going to take a look right now. Keep talking. I'm going to see if I can get this to work. So
1: anyway, so stuff like that I see, and it's very fascinating to me. But, you know, um, the Jordan card is one good example. When I see something like that and I see that type of value assessed on something, I still think the card game is where it's at. You know, we see the Mike Trout autographs and people want to have them graded on the cards and that's all very important and pujos and I keep watching those values go up, you know, through the sky. I don't know if you could find the Jordan, but if you could show it sometime to people, it's gonna be uh in SCP auctions next auction. It's awesome. It's one of those things I was like, that's awesome. That's a great card.
0: I do have okay, I got them up. So I'm gonna whip through. I'm just gonna start at the right. first picture you you can speak to these pictures. Uh so let me just share this screen, everybody. Take off a Meet's comment. Oh, there I am on Pawn Stars. All right. So here there we, we go. go. Here is. Um, oh, oh, that, that was right.
1: a great piece, by the way. If you went the, the shoe, those are uh, rookie era Jordan shoes that are authenticated recently. Signed vintage by him on kind of the heel. And then also on the front, he signed them back in 91. So uh, really neat piece. So we did those and those are in golden auctions uh, currently. So oh. and, and the last pair like that sold for five hundred sixty thousand dollars.
0: Wow, very nice. Then you saw, I haven't even looked at these yet. Oh, that's top view. All right. Yeah. I'll keep going. I throw it. those uh, are my kids. Those are my two girls. So Okay. I wasn't expect- I, I swear I haven't looked at these pictures yet, but right. I, I' like that. I want to give them a little pub. Beautiful daughter, Steve. congratulations.
1: That's a Neil Armstrong. I did recently that r- really had a chance to authenticate some neat stuff. Uh, right around 1971, I did about eight or nine that were just amazing, including a letter Neil Armstrong's mother wrote to a guy saying here, I'm sending you one of my son's autographs. Thanks for all these snapshots you took. It was really fascinating stuff, really. And there was a combo photo of Neil Armstrong and his mother signed in this stuff. It was really cool stuff. Very cool.
0: Oh, there's you and
1: Rick. And that was a fun episode we did in Boston where we saw some great stuff, including, I think, a 1915 Boston Red Sox baseball with Babe Ruth on it. It was really cool.
0: Okay. There you go. There There
1: we go. Okay. So that's the card I'm talking about. And that's something, you know, obviously – you can maybe even speak to more about it, but I, I mean, that could end up being 150 dollars 200, $250,000 at some point, you know, in, in the next auction, just based on the grade of the cards, beautiful and the autograph is gorgeous.
0: Yeah, I mean, BGS nine copies of the card without an autograph or I mean, I, I think nine fives are doing, you know, 60 to 80 grand right now. I could see a nine being doing like 30 to 50 in there somewhere, but you have that autograph on there authenticated by you or by BAS, I don't know. I mean, that could easily be, Sure, it could hit 100. It could hit 150.
1: And that's a, by the way, that's a vintage autograph from 86. That's an old one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So there should be a premium attached to that, I would think. But I don't know if you're at the $200,000 level yet, but hey, time will tell for sure. You never
1: know. Hey, we've seen
0: crazier, right? We've seen, we've seen crazy and and (laughs) we've seen crazier for sure. Oh, there's there's a promo. That's it. All right. Cool. That's a beautiful promo we had there. So there we go. Thanks for showing those,
1: but I appreciate it. But the Jordan stuff lately has been the hottest stuff. So
0: awesome. (laughs) Okay. Uh, there's one more comment here. Um, it's from Billy again. Very active user uh, viewer of Billy. Thank you. He says, have you ever been asked to authenticate an autograph of one celebrity or player that turned out to be an authentic autograph of a different person?
1: I don't think so. Okay, Though I did see someone had, it was up on eBay, I think, they had a Mike Trout sticker that they put on someone else's card. I think I saw that recently. That, but hard. no, I don't I don't think so. I mean, sometimes, you know, we enter data. So when people submit stuff, we enter it in our system. Is there a time when that data gets entered wrong or it's late at night you enter the wrong name? Sure. Yeah. Um are we still authenticating the right autograph? Yeah, but sometimes we type in the wrong name. That does happen. So that's sure. just human mistake.
0: Yeah. Okay, man. Human error. So so uh and Let's talk a little bit, last topic of the, of the evening. And thanks so much for your time. We're an hour 45. Let's go about five or 10 more minutes. Okay, Pawn Stars, you've been active on Pawn Stars since what year now, 2013? 13, so you've been on over a hundred episodes. I, you know, as a viewer, I'm a fan of the show. I have been since it started. What is it like working with Chum Lee? Like, do you, do you know this guy? Are you friends with him?
1: Yeah, I've become friends with him over the years. He's a, he's a really interesting guy. Um, he's really smart. And he comes across kind of not smart on TV, but he's actually a really smart guy. Um, I like Chumley a lot. He's a really good guy. Um, he's fun to hang out with. I've spent a lot of time being able to hang out with these guys, you know, behind the scenes, um, sitting around the office, having lunch or just, you know, uh, even away from the pawn shop. And he's always been a fun guy. He's always really fun to talk to. He has an interesting, you know, kind of outlook on life. And he's been through a lot of stuff. He's, he's kind of a fun guy. I like him. I think he's a really smart guy, though. He invests in uh, what I think is I don't know if it's a fad, but it's something that's still pretty hot. Is the shoes, you know, the rare shoes, the Nike shoes, and stuff like that. That's what he does. So,
0: that's and he's he's, he's still actively collecting sneakers.
1: Yeah, yeah, he still does it. He's got rooms filled with them. So he and he's a good kid, man. I I I really like the direction he's going. Um, he does a lot of stuff on social media. He's very active, and he's just he's a super good guy. I think he's just accepted his role in life and who he is, and he's very happy with it. And he's successful successful what he does, and I I,
0: I like it. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about Corey Rick's son. What's he like to work
1: with? Ah, uh, Corey's interesting guy. Corey's not too friendly of a guy to anybody. Um, we've had some pretty good times together, um, but usually off-camera. Um, you know, he comes in, does his job, and uh kind of leaves. Usually the best times to spend with Corey are just sitting around uh, talking in the old man's old office or, you know, just up in the production room, you know, before or after we film, you know, he's usually a little candid, but he's also reserved at times, you know, and he's definitely uh, an interesting guy (laughs) for sure. I will tell you that much.
0: All right, cool. I'm going to ask you about Rick now because, you know, I've been, we've been friends on Facebook for years and years now, and I've been following on Instagram for a while. So I've seen you post pictures where you're, you're at Rick's cabin or you guys are in where, wherever you are. You're not at the pawn st- shop. You're probably not in, in Las Vegas. You're out being buddies. Are you, are you and Rick now friends? Would you? Oh, consider- yeah, we
1: have. Yeah, we have been. And I mean, I think about, I want to say 2015, I started going up to his cabin up in Oregon and just hanging out with him. I've been in his house many times. And usually if I'm in Vegas, you know, he, you know, he says, you know, let me know when you get into town, or let me know when you're in town just doing other stuff. He'll come right to my hotel, pick me up. We go out to dinner. Uh, he never makes reservations; he just walks in. They always have a table. It's nice when you go into Nobu and it's packed you know, with people all over the place used to be pre COVID and uh they just say, Oh, we'll get your table for you in one minute. You wait less than a minute. The place is packed. There's probably a three hour wait and you get seated immediately. So uh, he's a good guy. He's great to talk to. Um, he's a wealth of knowledge and the stuff we do on the show is great because the guy's just got it all sitting up here. It's amazing what he has in this storehouse and I've learned a lot being around him, hanging out with him. um, You know, just being friends with him. He's, he's a good guy. He knows his stuff. Uh, He's very passionate about what he does. He's involved in, you know, he's an executive producer too in the show. So he's involved in the look and feel of it. And I think the show starts what is today, the 24th? I think they resume in two weeks of filming. So, and I know I'll be back in Vegas really soon doing some stuff for the, you know, for the show. So, which I enjoy doing. I I think I have to wear a mask though now.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will at, the, at this point in time. So Sam, that answers your question. Pawn Stars is still filming. I, I do want to ask you also, uh, Steve, about some of the other uh, buddies that Rick and Chumlee and uh, Corey call in to to help them prove, uh, you know, or, or at least value things and authenticate other items, non autograph type stuff. You know, um, are you friends? Are you are, like you've been doing it for a while? Some of the you know uh, what what the, the beard, the beard of knowledge Oh that, that, Mark's
1: Mark's a great guy. And I, I still have not gone to the Clark County Museum. Mark's a really good guy. I think he's retiring from that really soon. Um, he's one guy I talked to, uh, Warwick, who does the kind of the music memorabilia. I've worked with him a lot through the years in the show. They've alternated a bunch of the guys out. There's a there's a guy, a toy guy, I think Steve Johnson, nice guy. He has a toy store right across the street from the pawn shop.
0: Um, and he was uh, he replaced the old guy that was downtown, jo- with
1: Johnny, who's also a good guy too. And uh, and the guy who owned the uh, the, the there's a guy who owned the store down the block. Jeremy had a sports memorabilia placed on the block. He's not really used on the show much anymore. I used to know the art guy Brett. I know the new art guy. You know, so wow. I've gotten to know all those guys. There was a time when we did not run into each other much, but it just happens once in a while. Uh, Rick Dale, uh, I've, I've been uh, with Cross Pass a bunch of times lately. Uh, even some of the old guys like Danny Coker, who I've met, you know, through Rick and stuff like that. So you do run into some of the other experts. And Antoine's always around, and I've known Antoine really well. Um, you see the, works the security guard. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Really good people and a good friend. I've known him forever. So
0: is he he an actual security guard employee or is he there? Yeah, he is.
1: He does. He does actually does security for Rick um, at events and he works at Rick owns a, it's kind of like a called a container type uh, mall. He owns it right next to the pawn shop. So he has a bar in there and he also has a barbecue place that he that he's part of. So, um, Rick, when it pre COVID, I'll say every Friday, Saturday would be up in the bar bartending and Antoine would always be there providing security and doing a little DJ work. It's really weird with Rick. The show has been on for so long, you know, it's been on since 2009 and it's, that's a long time for a TV show. And it's just amazing that how people love still being around Rick so much. I mean, they love it. I mean, I don't, and I'm friends with them, you know, (laughs)
0: Yeah. no man I mean i I've, I go to Vegas every so often and every time I go I do make it a point to going of going to the shop uh hoping to get a glimpse of one of these guys you know either the old man when he was still alive Rick Corey Chumlee I never did I, I've I never got to see any of them there um so two things Scott says you know when I was at the shop I was surprised to see how small the show everybody, park- all,
1: everybody always says that they I yeah. mean what years ago when they first started filming it was really small is really tiny. And then they open it up and open it more and more. It's really hard to expand. Rick's had a lot of trouble there in Vegas. It's very costly. But they kept expanding more and more and more. And now it's where they have fine artwork and swag and stuff. that they call it in the back. You could buy shot glasses and bobbleheads and T-shirts and all that stuff. So that's still available in the store. You could get all that stuff. Yeah. But, I mean – I still think it's kind of big in there when I go in, but maybe it's just me. I've been in there a few hundred times, so I'm just used to being in there, but it still kind of looks big to me. You know, they 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 take every morning, they set all the stuff up, but that's what the old man used to like doing. He used to come in, he used to help set up the whole store, he used to make sure all the cases were right. That was like his thing, especially as he got you know older and his condition kind of worse And before he passed away. Even... Three weeks before he died, he was there in his wheelchair and they had him going around checking the cases out, which I really liked. And that's the last time I saw him was about three weeks before he died. We spent about ten minutes together in his office. And I mean, unfortunately, he couldn't talk anymore. But, you know, we just sat there. I talked to him, told him what I was up to. And, you know, he acknowledged it all. So it was really nice. And Rick was, I'll tell you, that's something um you don't get a chance to see on air a lot but rick was truly saddened and you know devastated by his dad's loss and i was there uh, we went to the funeral and it was a nice service and uh his dad is that was a great guy you know really a lot of fun to be around
0: always was very entertaining on tv a great character for sure for sure um okay uh and you know just my my experience in the shop i agree i, I think where the show you're kind of surprised that the store is actually. Bigger than what they show you on TV because they do have all that space in the back dedicated to the swag and and some of the higher end art that's on the walls. I've seen motorcycles in there. I've seen all sorts of different things back.
1: Rick also opened a store up in the Venetian, too. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's had it open during this time when he couldn't have it. I mean, they've had it. The, the Venetian has been closed, the mall and stuff. So, you know, that sucks for him. But he did open kind of like a high end art gallery, too. Um, Unfortunately, it's probably not doing that great or as great as he wanted because of what's happening. But he had some great stuff in there and he always, uh, you know, he'd taken really high end stuff. He bought in the show um, and bought on air and they put it in there. So he also has another Avenue to sell stuff and obviously his website too. So he's always looking to expand his enterprise, you
0: know? All right. Interesting. Uh, Terry wants to know uh, are Rick, Corey and Chumley ever actually at the store unless they're filming?
1: Yeah, I'd say they're there quite often. I mean, Rick is there. Unless Rick is out of town, if he's up at his other house in Oregon, he is, Rick's there a lot. And Rick is, is he's in his office
0: doing stuff. he's in his
1: office. He he stays in his office. You know, I mean, here's the thing. Think about this. These guys can't operate. They can't do their job really that, you know, Rick can't really run a front of a shop. That's what he's got people there for. You know, he's got Andy Zimmerman who runs the place for him. And then Andy's got everybody working underneath him and they have the floor managers and people like that because it's a busy place and at the height of it. You know pre covid again but you know summertime you know uh tourist time there 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 could be five six thousand people a day that come through there so yeah. you know it's hard you know even when we film you know um people are asked not to talk to rick because you just can't you know he's he's there filming too so it's kind of a different world it's hard to explain all of it for me because i watched the show for years i always watched i was a fan and then being part of it it's like okay this is a little different this is weird um I didn't know what to expect, but the more I've gotten used to it, the more I've been like, okay. You know, there's a lot of stuff I can't talk about either. So, um, this year, and I, I did mention before, really, here, it's really going to be interesting. So, tell me what you think of this. Okay. So, I think I showed you this before. So, this is what I'll be wearing. Hold on i Yeah. I'll be wearing this mask right here. What do you think of that?
0: Yeah, I like it, man. I like it. It's pretty uh, intimidating. You know, I yeah, I'm going to be
1: wearing that. I showed the producer.
0: I wouldn't want to pass you a fake autograph. After. The producer
1: asked me a couple of weeks ago, I said, Hey, you know, we're going to come back very soon. Do you have a problem wearing a mask on air? I said, no, sure. We'll make it work. So I showed her that. And she's like, all right, that's what you got to wear. No one's going to know it's you. And I'm like, well, it's, it looks better than my face. So I think I'll go with that. Oh, come on.
0: Come on. You're a handsome guy. Okay. Let's keep going here quickly. Uh, Cause this is a cool question. You've had a lot of screen time screen time and history is known for their spinoffs. Have you been pitched an autograph show or a larger role in a different show for yourself? Maybe just something called the Steve Grad show? We've worked on it. Uh I'll tell you this much. I had it,
1: it was heartbreaking. I, I had a pilot greenlit by history channel, I wanna say four or five years ago, but it kind of fell apart over production companies and fighting and conflicts of interest it never happened. I would love it to happen, but I'm told all the time by people close to Pawn Stars that no one would ever watch a show about autographs and memorabilia. So who cares? So I'm told that all the time, even though since I started, I'm the most used expert in the show. So if you go back and look since 2013, they've used one person consistently the most, that's me. And because the autograph stuff, people like it. So maybe someday someone will see it and be like, okay, we got to do this. I've been approached um, recently the last couple of years, five or six times, but I'll tell you what, a lot of times it's someone sitting in New York, trying to pitch a show and coming up with ideas. You know, um, I'm really, uh, resigned to the fact that if it's going to happen, it'll happen with someone, you know, Rick will do it. I want Rick to be part of it and produce it and, and his production company to be involved in it. So that's what I'm kind of waiting for. You know what, if it happens, it happens. If not, that's okay too, but it would be kind of cool. I yeah. think there's a lot of great stuff to do it on Jeremy. I mean, I think just our industry alone, and some of those colorful characters. I mean, you've seen the guys at the National. You know, you see how some of these guys look and dress, and how they act, and how obnoxious they are. I think it'd be great. You know, the Joe Alpers of the world. You know,
0: yeah. Well, you, you you said it could happen someday, but you know, and you 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 just mentioned that you've, you're always told that nobody wants to watch a show about autographs and memorabilia. But I think that someday could be coming a little bit sooner, just because we're seeing so much more mainstream media giving attention to cards specifically yeah. with some of these records that have been written. there's way more interest in cards right now than there was even the turn of the decade you know of six months ago yeah. so i think there's going to be a lot more interest in it right now and uh, and if you need a co-star hit me up brother hit me up i'm ready to how go how do you
1: say how do you say offense how do you say what sorry how do you say offense offense Oof. offense
0: offense i say offense i say roof uh, you say roof i know i know hey we're we're very similar, even though we're we're we're, we're on. I need a side. little
1: more of that. offense.
0: Yeah. Do you say? Oh, wait. Where's the A's at? About. It's about. Okay. <laughs> let's keep. Going. Let's <laughs> keep going. We're gonna we're gonna wrap this up in a couple minutes. Here, a question I want. I want you to talk about this.
1: I'm losing you. I think we're right at the end. Do you hear me?